This is a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel oh. Metcalf's fan club say, on I Fubar mean, Radio. Everyone, we're live, right? We're, we're live. We're live. Live. Five. Live at five. Minus five. Because it's midday. Five, yeah. Minus five seven. minus five is seven. <laughs> no. Fucking hell. Oh, boy. Here we go. Whoa, whoa, Nelly. Um, so, uh, so you're listening to uh, <laughs> uh, Fan Club uh, with Nick Helm. And Nathaniel Metcalf. Fan, fan Club. And my name is Nick Helm. And my name is Nathaniel Metcalf. Metcalf, got to beat you. <laughs> and um, uh, I am um, a comedian of sorts. <laughs> and uh, but I'm, I'm essentially, I think what we're really getting down to is, I'm an all rounder. Um, <laughs> One of the things you do all round. Oh, the things I do all round. Yeah. Make pizza. That's always round. Yes. Yes. Come on, guys. I said I was a comedian. You should have seen that one coming. <laughs> um, uh, first rule of fan club is tell your friends tell about your fan friends. club. No, just tell your fucking friends. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, and if you don't have any friends, go out and make some friends. Uh, no, I don't mean out of clay. I mean uh, try socialising, and then tell them about it. Uh, but not to the point where you lose those friends, <laughs> because we have had a lot of complaints from people saying that they've been recommending our show to their friends, and uh, then have lost those they've friends. lost those friends because they've really not really been into uh, um, trivia. <laughs> <laughs> um, sp- uh, so uh, we had a lovely guest last week, didn't we? Mm. Um, Marshall Julius uh, and uh, Marshall Julius, uh, who uh, wrote a uh, book about—not a book about, just a, it's a quiz book. Quiz book. Yeah, uh, very nice. Uh, I've been going through it, and uh, it's fucking hard. Is it hard? It's really hard. Oh. It's really hard to the point that it's actually gone from one extreme to the other. Uh, some of them were too easy. Where's our, where's our little bo- 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 box of books? <laughs> where's that little bo- 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 box? It's not a little box of books. Um, not a little book. We had a little box of questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's gone from one extreme to the other. Um, but, you know, it's really good. Um, so just a little shout out there. And um, Are they questions that make you want to play, though? Are they sort of frustrated? I quite like a, an interesting answer. Yeah, sure. But um, uh, So I had a friend who was borderline genius. Uh, uh, he uh, He's now a barrister. Uh, hang on, which one is the one uh, that's like a British lawyer? And which one is the one that... Um, a barrister. A barrister. He's not a barrister. No. <laughs> that's, that's two different he's jobs. A, he's a like genius. <laughs> he uh, works, works at cost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but you know, many many geniuses work in uh, coffee shops. Sure, of course they do. Nothing wrong with that. It's where you can hear. It's where you can get a lie of the land. You can really sort of like soak up the. Uh, <laughs> mm. I reckon Starbucks is a good one to judge human behaviour in terms of. I think any kind of customer service <laughs> service. It's a customer-facing job, can't speak, is is one where you get to see people at their worst and you go, oh, yeah, you're that kind of person, are you? Yeah. Well, um, when I go into Starbucks, um, you know, you get to say your name. Yeah. Yeah, and then they have to write on the cup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you know what name I put down? What did you put down? Do you know what it is? No. Cockhead. 
Cockhead. <laughs> and then the joke's on them, isn't it? Because they have to go around shouting, Cockhead! Cockhead! And, and then, then I you, go, Yep! Yeah. That's me! <laughs> joke's on them, isn't it? Yeah. Joke's on them. <laughs> um, uh, I used to work in a, um, uh, what was it, a cafe um, at um, a garden centre. Cafe within a garden centre? Yeah, it's called Wyvel Garden Centre, uh, just outside St Albans. I used to work there. I worked there about five <laughs> five weekends, uh, and then I, I kept calling in sick. And then eventually they said, look, we're going to have to have words with you if you keep calling in sick. And I said, you might as well fire me because I'm going to Venice next week. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went to Venice on a school trip. But what I really hated about Wyvel Garden Centre was um, we were... Uh, people used to come in and complain about the service <laughs> which was me <laughs> people used to come in and complain about the service and just be like well you know your selection isn't up to scratch and you know what 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 sort of tea do you have well you don't have that tea you know stuff like that and what would really annoy me is the fact that we were 15 feet away from Aylet's nursery which had a f- infinitely superior <laughs> cafe and you go just go there <laughs> just go there I mean, it's 15 feet away. Just go to the better place. That's where I'd be. So I go for my lunch. That's what, <laughs> that was my dream, was to work my way up, all the way up to the top of Wyvale, and then get promoted to Aylitz. Um, just go there. Just go there. And you got fired, did you, Ian? Uh, I didn't get yeah. fired. I quit. <laughs> I, got just, I, just, I got just in there. Don't come here. <laughs> Don't come here. Just Chris. go there. Fucking hell. You got anything you can recommend? Aylet's uh, Nursery Cafe across the road. Thanks. Th- this might be one of the Good. reasons why I hate eggs. Oh yeah. Because um uh they would they would cook they would boil huge industrial vats of eggs and then peel them. I didn't have to do this, but they would peel them in the kitchen, the whole kitchen smelt of fucking uh Methane. It was just fucking absolutely <laughs> just sulfur. Just in the, it just smelled like you just walked in on a farting contest. And it was just <laughs> absolutely fucking, absolutely fucking horrific. Just like, like a hundred boiled eggs. I mean, it's just fucking disgusting. And then they were oh, just absolutely fucking disgusting. And it'd be like, you know, uh, seven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, so you've got a hangover, and it's just, it's just fucking disgusting. I mean, I fucking hate eggs, but, um, yeah, Jesus Christ, it was fucking awful. Um, so, so I must have been about 16 or something. No, I must have been about 17. I was in the sixth form. It was like one of my first proper jobs. Why, what was it for, egg man? Why did they need I that guess many it eggs? Was egg, oh, I, don't, I don't even like the word. <laughs> I guess it was for egg mayonnaise, and then, you know... They just mash up of... Oh. And that's what mayonnaise is, isn't it? Eggs and oh, eggs. It's eggs and eggs. Eggs and eggs I've always thought eggs and eggs. I mean, how much do you <laughs> fucking love eggs? Eggs and eggs. What are you going to do? Serve it up in two dried-out fried eggs and then serve it on a dried-out omelette as a plate? Yeah. You fucking disgusting fucking <laughs> animals. I was walking down the road and I was just thinking, just looking around at all these fucking people... Just thinking, look at all these fucking egg eaters. Fucking hell, absolutely. Like fucking foxes in the night coming in and fucking stealing the young from other animals. Fucking absolutely fucking rancid. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it is that. It feels like it's deeper than that. Oh, <laughs> I fucking hate them. 
Um, anyway, that's a memory. Um, so, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks, Nat. There you oh, go. What's that on it? That is a picture of an egg that she, a fry, two fried eggs, one and of one got of blood them, on it. One of them's got blood all over it. Yum, take, yum, yum. Take that off. Pain. It's got it's a chicken fetus in it. Absolutely fucking disgusting. Isn't it? It's absolutely fucking disgusting. I hate them. I hate them. Anyway, so um, uh, you're listening to Five Star Fan Club. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I am not a fan of eggs. Um, uh, so, uh, what have you? Uh, do, do we do this now, or do we do the fan fan mail? Do the fan mail it's right in front of us. Yeah, mix right it up there, a bit. Dear, no, I'm doing the wrong one. There, there we go. Although I like, I like how loud it is. Really, I might push it a little bit. Yeah, that's all right. Push it to the limit. Natalie's given me permission to push it a little bit, so I have. Nat and Nick. Also, I've got that the wrong way around for a start. <laughs> dear, dear Nat and Nick, love this show. Do you remember Pat Sharp and Mick Brown? Would you consider releasing a single like they did? I think it would be iconic. Cheers, Norm. No, that's a nice name, Norm, isn't it? I, I was watching um, Norm McDonald last night. Oh yeah. So um, uh, I, I've se- I think I've seen his special Hitler's Dog. Uh, way too many times. It's a very laid-back show. I just find it really comforting. I, d- I love him. Because of his voice? I just think he's just got a way about him. Uh, yeah, his voice, yeah, but... Uh, you know, he'll sort of, like, <laughs> get lost halfway through a sentence. And uh, you know, I, I just think he's amazing. Um, it's, really, it's a really funny show. But um, So I'll tell you. So this week... Um, what have you been a fan of this week? I've not Nothing. Done right, so I'll carry the brunt of the episode again. So, um, <laughs> so this week, what I did, I did a gig in uh, Edinburgh last Sunday. So I'm on tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did a gig in Edinburgh last Sunday. Lovely gig. What? Where do you do Edinburgh? Oh, the stand. I did it at the stand. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's you know when you go to a place and you just remember it being huge. Mm. You get in there and you go, oh, I remember seeing Stuart Lee and I. Uh, when he did his 100% pair uh, show. Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. I went with my mum, because um, she loves Strictly, and uh, I think we had to stand at the back, and, yeah, I just remember being miles and miles away from the stage and just, you know, having to stand on tiptoes. And, um, yeah, <laughs> going there, it's tiny. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also because I've done the uh, Newcastle stand and the Glasgow stand, and they're bigger. Yeah. And wider, maybe. Um so yeah, so it was a little bit like oh, it's, it's more I remember, but um, yeah, lovely, lovely gig. All of the stand gigs are lovely. All of all of uh, the northern gigs and the midlands gigs have been lovely. And then you come down, and you know, I think I said this, but mm-hmm. like the, the further north you get, the better the better the gigs are. And then the further south you get, people are a little bit more sniffy. I think people are just grateful to get out. <laughs> um, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, so we did Edinburgh, and I get very overwhelmed on public transport. And, I, and actually, every time, so the way it works is that I'll I'll be in London Monday to Wednesday, and then on Thursday I will get a train to meet up with my tech Aaron, mm-hmm. uh, who we met just before Edinburgh, and then he did both my Edinburgh shows, and uh, and we've become very good friends, and um, uh, and so I'll meet him there. 
and then we'll do the gig and then we'll drive around for the rest of the weekend and then he'll drop me off on like the Monday and then I'll get the train back. But I always manage to, f I'm, I'm just, um, there's something, I don't know what it is. I'm either dyspraxic or dyslexic or something, but I, I just have difficulty just doing simple things like buying train tickets. I get so <laughs> overwhelmed. Um, I always end up with the wrong one. I bought a fucking train ticket to, um, uh, to Lincoln and I got on the train and then the woman came along and she said that I bought a, a Midlands train ticket as an, instead of a Virgin trains ticket and I couldn't I had to buy another ticket so I, spent, I think I think I, I think that is bullshit I think it's bullshit and, I, I, and I, it's all privatised isn't it that's what yeah. it is but it's just kind of like well I just I bought a ticket to the place and then I got on the train that was going to the place and it wasn't the right train ticket and, I, and the woman uh, could have been a man on the uh, on the train she said um, well if you go up to the uh, counter when you arrive they'll refund you for that ticket so I went up to the counter and the woman looked at me behind the desk like I just made up some sort of <laughs> new uh, new rule for, you know I was just like oh the woman on the train said that I could get it and she goes no no it's shocking I was on, I was coming back um, from the Midlands the other week and that had exactly the same thing where I, my ticket was alright but I didn't know why mine was alright and the others weren't but there was people being like told you know that's not it and it goes no but I asked before I got on and the person on the well I don't think the person on the platform works for Virgin I think they probably work at uh, Birmingham New Street and it's like but surely they would know, and if they say, yeah, it's fine. You get fucked by yeah. them. <laughs> you get fucked. They used to do it all the time. Um, sorry, we're talking about trains. No, we are, no, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I used to get fucked all the time. I had no money, and then you, and, but I'd always get a train ticket, and oh, I just used to get fucked all the time. I couldn't find my rail card. I remember that there was one time I had to go in and meet my dad in London, and, um, uh, and I... I I had no money. I was just, I was so poor, and I managed to scrape together enough to get a train ticket. I had a student card, maybe it was a student, a young person's rail card, and um, and I scraped together enough money, and I got on the got on the train, and sat there, and then the ticket inspector came along, and he checked my ticket, and then he wanted to see my young person's rail card, and I'd forgotten it, and so he charged me like twenty quid, which I didn't have, I like literally had nothing. And there was a guy that sat opposite me where, uh, who was a cyclist and he was wearing like this big neon, you know, cyclist suit, you know, I thought he's a bit smug and, uh, and I could, I knew that he could overhear this conversation where it just sounded like it was bullshit. It sounded mm. like, I, it sounded like I was lying. Mm. It sounded like I was trying to get out of paying full price for a ticket. And I was just like, oh, I've, um, I've forgotten, you know. And I was just thinking, yeah, I overhear conversations like this on the train all the time. And I always think, bullshit, you're fucking lying. You're trying to get out of paying full fare, blah, 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 blah. And I was just thinking, I bet this fucking guy sat opposite me is fucking <laughs> loving it. Um, and then the train um, guy, he, he fined me and he said that um, I would have to pay when I arrived. And I was just like, I've got no money. And he says, that's not my problem. And then he walked off. And then the guy opposite me, uh, I was just thinking, you fucking cunt, you fucking love this. And he leant forward and he said, I couldn't help but overhear. And um, I heard that you didn't have any money. Um, and I'd like to give you the £20 uh, so that you can pay your fare. And I was just like, what? And he said, I want to pay your, your fine for you. 
<coughs> and I was like, <coughs> I was like, oh, oh, um, okay, thank you. Uh, how? And I was like overwhelmed by it because it was so kind, and yeah. I was really in dire straits. And it was kind of like, well, I don't know. How can I ever? How can I ever repay you? And he said, all I ask is that one day, uh, in the future, when you have enough money, you help someone else out. And I was just like. That's that's incredible. Um, are, are you sure? And it was like, yeah, I'm sure. You know, and it was one of the kindest things anyone's ever done. And it was a beautiful moment. And then the train broke down, and we'd ran out of stuff to say. And then I was just sat opposite this guy who'd done something really generous, <laughs> but it was really fucking awkward. And after about 15 minutes, I was screaming in my head, just like, going, stop fucking looking at me, you fucking can't. <laughs> fucking hell. I wish you'd never given me the fucking money. <laughs> I'd, I'd pay 20 quid just to get out of this fucking awkward situation. Um, so you let that be say, a lesson. You can only say thanks never, like a couple of times. You can only say thanks before it stops, you know, before it stops <laughs> meaning anything. And, uh, yeah, fucking hell. So if, there's, if you're going to take anything away from today's fan club, never do anything nice for anyone ever. No. Um... Uh, no, I've just never had that much disposable income to uh, ever ever pay it back. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> one can hope, one can dream. Um, nah, try it out, <laughs> try it out. Um, so I was coming. Back, so I. So basically, <laughs> the bottom line is, I love driving around in. I thought uh, you were going to tell a story then about how you saw a little teenage kid on the gym. You tried to give him twenty quid, but he took it the wrong way. <laughs> took it the, no, he took it the right way. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, no, so I, the bottom line is um, I really like driving around in Aaron's van listening to music. Where does he live? Does he not? Why doesn't he pick you up from London? He lives in Barnsley. Okay. Is it Barnsley? Or is it Bradford? Barnsley. Terrorism's from Bradford. Now, um, <laughs> so, um, so we would, I, I love driving around. And as long as the, the the maximum amount of time that I can put off from getting on the train, the better, right? So, <clears throat> so in Edinburgh, I woke up in Edinburgh on uh, Monday morning, and um, it's just like, right, well, we could drive to Leeds, and then I can get the train from Leeds, and then I'll be sort of like with my mate for like a couple of hours, and then just a couple of hours on the train, and you know, I can I can manage that. That's fine. So we're driving. Uh, we're driving uh, out of Edinburgh, we drive out of Edinburgh, we drive through Scotland, we get over to the Scottish border, and then the, um, all the electricity stops in the car. There's, the engine's still running, but the windows don't undo the radio. So we were listening to Nirvana Unplugged, <laughs> and it was like Kurt Cobain had killed the fucking car. <laughs> it really was unplugged. It was, <laughs> like everything just stopped, and <laughs> we were still driving, but we couldn't, you know, um, use any, any of the electrics. And so we pulled over to like this... Um, lay by and we were sort of like debating what to do and then we decided right well we'll switch the engine off and then we'll see if it restarts and um it it didn't and then we were stranded for like two and a half hours uh waiting uh to be collected by the rac Two and a half hours seems like a long time. Well, the windows it? didn't do up either. It was fucking freezing. Right? <laughs> so, um, so we were sat there. <clears throat> the sun was going down. We, I tethered my phone to his laptop and we watched YouTube. Uh, we watched this amazing interview. Uh, uh, it's a Tom Snyder interview from the seventies uh, where he interviews Kiss, 
and it's my favourite. It's my favourite thing. I've watched it so many times. <laughs> uh, I think I originally saw it as part of they have a Kiss Kiss anthology uh, DVD uh, collection, and it was one of the one of the interviews on that from the nineteen seventies uh, uh, box set. And um, it's basically you have Gene Simmons uh, and Paul Stanley on one camera, and Peter Chris and Ace Frehley on the other camera. And Ace Freely is so fucking drunk, and Tom Snyder is uh, is interviewing them, and he doesn't really know anything about Kiss. And Gene Simmons is so serious and angry, and Paul Stanley is trying to sort of like me- mediate between everyone. And Ace Freely is just so fucking funny, and he's just you know he keeps. He, he keeps, like, undermining the band, taking the piss out of his costume, because they're all in costume, <laughs> taking the piss out of his costume, just, uh, like, having fun and enjoying it. And then you've got Pete, Pete Chris, who's sort of, like, stuck in the middle, who's the drummer, who's the cat man. Um, and he sort of, like, he just sort of, like, keeps looking lovingly <laughs> over at Ace Freely. Like, Ace Freely was everyone's favourite. I've, t- I've told you about mm. this before, but he was everyone's favourite, and it was such an, it's such an amazing... So if you can't... If you've never seen it, guys... Go and Google Tom Snyder interview uh, Kiss. Hmm. I guess it's it's that thing where you've got a front man who's like, it's my band, but the person who happens to have all the charisma is not the guy who's... Well, I think it's because they were, um, you know, they wore a battle armour and they have, like, uh, uh, makeup on and they're being interviewed, but they're trying to portray themselves as a serious rock and roll band. Right. And, uh, you know, they've kind of got, like, these lofty pretensions about who they are. And Ace Freely is n- has missed the memo. <laughs> and he is just taking the piss out of everything. <laughs> and it's just really it's just really funny. He's talking about, like, their early days. And, like, Paul Stanley tries to join in a bit, but you can tell that he wants to steer the band over. To, and Gene Simmons keeps getting cut off. <laughs> like, he'll be telling an anecdote, and then he'll get cut off, and... Um, then he'll lose his confidence in the anecdote and then he'll just start sulking. <laughs> and it's just fucking horrific. But also, it just makes you love Ace really so much, you know. Yeah. Um, and you, you watch it and there's absolutely 100% a reason why his solo album, when they all released one, just sold out because everyone loved him. And then a year later, <laughs> uh, Peter Chris and Ace really were off the band and then they just replaced them with anyone else they could stick in the makeup. <clears throat> anyway, so we watched that. And then the RAC came along, started up our uh, engine again, and uh, we started driving, and just literally 10 feet round the corner was a sign for Shill Bottle, which everyone always uh, uh, graffitis and puts a cross across the L, so it says Shit Bottle. And I just know, I think Stuart Lee's had a routine about it, I just know that when you see that, you know you're right next to the Scottish border, you know, and so it was sort of like heartbreaking that how 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 little we travelled, <laughs> and it was like five o'clock in the evening now, and the sun was going down, and we managed to get a tow, or, uh, not a tow, but we got like an external battery, and he took us to this industrial estate in Newcastle where we got rid of the. And by the time we sorted everything out, it was like seven thirty, so I was just like, "Fuck it." Uh, Aaron was going to be stranded in Newcastle, so we got a hotel. And uh, we went out for dinner, and then we, we and I just was like, I'm not going to leave him. I could have technically got a train, but I'm not going to leave him. What day was this? It was Monday. Right. Right. Gig was Sunday. So Monday was a write off. And, uh, and then in the evening, we watched uh, Tommy Boy, right? Because he'd never seen Tommy Boy. And I was just thinking, it's me and him. I was, I was like, because uh, uh, Tommy Boy is essentially it's a road trip. 
starring uh, Chris Farley and David Spade, and it's probably my favourite comedy of all time. Uh, or, but it's a it's a close between uh, Naked Gun, and I'm not counting Army of Darkness, which I do consider a bit of a comedy. Um, so it's like, but my, as a pure comedy, I just love it. And Chris Farley is incredible in it, and I really love David Spade and Brian Dennehy's in it, and Rob Lowe is great in it, and you know, it's just like everything about it is is, and you think it's going to be really lowbrow and uh, and sort of like disposable '90s shit. Um, like uh, like the worst of Adam Sandler, or probably more like a Rob Schneider movie. Mm. And um, no, it's just lovely. It's just got loads of heart, and it's really funny. And Chris Farley's... Br- I mean, he made like five or six films, and this was the only really good one. He's made other films that he's good in, but Beverly Hills Ninja is fucking terrible. And Black Sheep, which was sort of a sequel to Tommy Boy, um, was fucking rubbish because the director of that hated David Spade so she just spent most of the film trying to separate them so it just gave you know um, who's Tommy Boy directed by? Um, the guy that directed is it Pat Proft it's the guy that directed um, Naked Gun 33 and a Third okay, okay. Uh, which is a terrible film um, well it's not terrible but it's just nowhere near as good as the others um, but um, Peter Seagull Peter Seagull it's written by Pat Proft um, and um Yes, yeah, so did Peter Siegel direct Naked Gun 33 and the Third, or did he produce it or write it? Um, yeah, it's just, uh, anyway, it's just such a fucking amazing film. I love it. And But the thing is, because we were on a road trip and our car broke down and all of this stuff, I was just like basically saying, um, yeah, Peter Siegel directed Naked Gun 33 and the Third. He didn't direct Naked Gun. That was Zucker Abrams. Zucker. Was it? Or was it just one of them? Oh, I don't know. They all directed <laughs> Airplane. <laughs> and I think by that point, the guy that directed Naked Gun also directed Ghost. From one of the directors of Ghost, I think was what they said for Naked Gun Two and a Half. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, or they wouldn't have made a joke in Ghost, would they? From no. one of the directors <laughs> of Naked Gun. Um, anyway, I was just basically saying that... Uh, Oh, it's like we're both, we're both. Uh, we, it's like we're Tommy. We're, it's like we're, Tommy Boy's about us, except we're both Chris Farley <laughs> because <laughs> we're both fuck ups. But uh, that was not a fuck up. But um, uh, yeah, it was just really. Um, yeah. It, anyway, so I watched it with Aaron. He'd never seen it before, and it's just one of those films where, you know, he was like an instant fan. You know, when you love something so mm. much, and then you you show someone else for the first time, and then you're just like, oh my god! And you know, it's like watching it again f- with fresh eyes. Mm. Really loved it. Um, so that was what we did Monday, Tuesday. I spent most of Tuesday trying to get back home. Uh, so Tuesday was a bit of a write-off. Wednesday, my parents took me out for lunch for a belated birthday because they weren't around. And then Thursday was yesterday, and I was on tour again. It was a fucking absolute right off this week where were you last night Birmingham now Birmingham uh, I was backstage uh, and there was not any backstage I'm in my little sparkly hot pants and yeah. my costume and so when I'm when I'm in my uh, when I'm in costume I'm basically can't I'm trapped yeah and I was in we were in this nightclub 
and I was sort of like tucked away in this like box room with no windows and then there was like a toilet but the toilet was saying out of order and when I looked at it it was just shit and piss all over <laughs> it was like the toilet out of train spotting um, or, or, the, or, or for another reference Desperado um, but it was, it was just absolutely yeah it was fucking horrific and I was just sat I ended up having to piss in a bottle um, uh, and I've just remembered that that's still in my bag so <laughs> I've got to I've got to there's no way to get rid of you know so everyone thinks that being on tour is glamorous I'm, I'm sure it is for but some you, people you know story of um, uh, David Bowie when he just starts touring Ziggy Stardust so it's the one that it's the tour that ends up at the Hammersmith Hammersmith Apollo so it's, it sort of ends really big but he's doing Ziggy Stardust from um it from very small venues but still in the full gear and, yeah. and when it starts like that record is like the first thing that's like a proper hit and before that so everything like Hunky Dory sort of becomes a hit off the back of Ziggy Stardust so when he starts doing this tour he's playing really small venues but he's doing it in all the gear so he's completely created the look but he's doing it in like working men's clubs so it's like it's meant to be this really sort of bizarre tour of this like essentially circus comes to these like tiny working men's clubs so he shows up in one and he turns up and he, he's looking around and he's in the full gear and he's looking around and he goes, where? Just, just better go on stage. And he goes, actually, he needs a piss, actually. So, I need to, so he's looking around somewhere and uh, the guy's around the venue. He goes, uh, excuse me, where, where are the toilets? And he goes, and the boat goes, yeah, we all side it, bar. He goes, but this, the audience is out there. And he's like, yeah, it's the toilets, it's the gents. And he's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm just better go on. I can't go through... The, I'm wearing all this gear. I can't go through and <laughs> I just can't walk through the crowd and go in the gents. There's got to be some level yeah. of, uh, <laughs> you know, where you, you hold your fucking. What, what's it? I've interrupted you now, but like fucking, there's got to be some sort of like agreement between the audience and the performer yeah. where the suspension of yeah. disbelief, where there's a, a sort they, of the- a theatricality, there's like a fourth wall or something, which is like that's the the the, the reality, yeah. and this is like theatre. And you can't go, excuse me, duck. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go for a piss. <laughs> so he's like, oh, Matt, well, what can I do? And he goes, Bo goes, uh, you realise there's a sink over there, <laughs> and he goes, ah, I'm not going to have a piss in the sink. And he, the parrot goes, well, if it's good enough for Sir Shirley Bassey, it's good enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it was like that, where you're basically... So I ended up pissing in a bottle, and then you go on stage, and you go, ta-da! And, uh, yeah, it was an interesting one. There was a drunk girl in the front row that disrupted the first half, um, and then... Uh, which is, I just, yeah, it's a shame because you just think... Do you get to do the show, though? Um, yeah, but she interrupted it so many times and then you just go, I, I, I honestly can't concentrate. And also the show's really personal and it's about depression and you go, you can't do this for the second half. And you're, she was there on the front row just topping up her wine glass like, and you're just like, oh, God. And then, you know, and then I just like, kept trying to deal with her and then luckily we had an interval. And um, and then we tried to move her to the back, but then she fell over and said so she had to be removed. But um, yeah, she's just waiting. It, start, it starts at seven thirty as well, and it's just kind of, I'm I'm worried because I'm doing London tonight, and we start at nine thirty, and it's a Friday night, 
And I think last time we did it, David Trent upset everyone so much uh, <laughs> that we had to remove the front row. <laughs> and, and, it, and it overran, and everyone was angry at me for it overrunning. It's just like, it's not my fucking fault, it's your fault. You're all too drunk to do, to, for me to perform this show. I'm constantly putting out fires. And yeah, the show has doubled in length because you're all cunts. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever seen there's a live uh, DVD that Sonny <laughs> Vegas did? that's live in Benidorm and it was him sort of playing because he was in Benidorm and he's doing this show but the whole it's not a show but it's fascinating uh, to watch as like a, a piece of live stand-up because it's just firefighting yeah and it's insane the level of like <laughs> so he's almost like laughing that it's like what, what there's like there's people, to do this? Yeah, there's and people he must just, have known that he was filming a DVD yeah. <laughs> so he's done it in Benidorm and the whole like so he's playing to like expats who are all off their face and there's just people like wandering on the stage at white points they don't they don't even really know why they're there so he's like constantly going what are you doing but he's sort of so like in the moment that it's sort it's it's sort of amazing that you watch him because he's so like um, well, he, he's he, just like he just has to keep going with it he's i mean he's got a backstage story which was that um he was when it just before he won the edinburgh award uh he was backstage and he really needed a shit so he shat into a pipe of Pringles <laughs> behind a curtain that was separating. There's just a curtain between him and the audience. <laughs> They're like two foot away. And he shat into a pipe <laughs> of Pringles, folded the top up, put in his pocket, and then won the Perrier Award. <laughs> I mean, he's, uh, he's an absolute gent. He's one of my, he's one of my favourite people. Um, he's so lovely. Um, it's a bit, put it in your top. <laughs> Why wouldn't you leave it? I mean, it's just the way he told it. Yeah. But like, uh, <laughs> and my mum told me this, so he must have told it on a, an interview years ago. Um, but um, but yeah. So then, so Berman was a thing. But interestingly, um, uh, so imagine that as well, because it's all encased, isn't it? So if you if you actually pop the lid off, it would be like it would have been all. Oh, I don't think he had a lid. <laughs> they said that he folded the pipe down. Uh, <laughs> and that, that fucking hell. Anyway, yesterday I met uh, the guy who sent us the uh, James Bond. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't remember his name. Oh, I think it was name? Dave. I think it's David. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyway, just to say thank you very much. It was lovely to meet you. And thanks for coming up to me afterwards and uh, telling me who you were. He did also did the... Um, uh, Dennis and Millicent Nash oh, yeah, yeah. batches that we had um, and then also there was a guy a, a, a guy who's a massive Alice Cooper fan called Mark who um, uh, gave me a CD for a band that he's in I think they're a local Birmingham band called Mark with a C like and uh, we listened to it we, so we finished Birmingham and then we drove back to London so that we could do this and then the gig tonight um, but uh, yeah so the band's called Mark and we listened to them in the car and they're fucking incredible. Like, they're amazing. Um, so if you're in the Birmingham area and you get the opportunity to see a band called Mark... With a C. With a C. Go and see them. They were really great. And um, uh, if we can get a track, we'll play it on the way out. But, um, yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, so well done, guys. And thanks for... Great uh, name for a band, this actually. Fucking, I like it. He had this really cool tattoo, which was uh, Alice Cooper had signed his wrist and then he got it tattooed onto him. Um, and, it, and I've always wanted, I've not got any tattoos because I've never thought, but I, I've always thought that if I was going to get anything tattooed, 
it would be Alice Cooper related because he has been con consistent in my life for 30 years. Um, and it was a really cool tattoo. And then I just thought, I probably don't want him to sign me. Do you know what I mean? Like, also like, like he owns me. But it'd also be like, do you know, like sometimes if you're doing, like if you're signing something and you go, well, that's a rubbish one of my own signature. Imagine if like you sort of did a, because it's not even on a, a, a flat surface. So you might oh, it looked do... great. It was like, honestly, it was one of the coolest tattoos. I think it just means that I'm, I'm not into tattoos. Mm. I feel like there is a bit of social pressure where people say, have you got any tattoos? And you go, no. And you go, you haven't got any. No, I don't feel that pressure. I feel like I have that conversation way too much. It's way too much. So, yeah, I don't have any. Anyway, speaking of uh, Alice Cooper. Michael and Nathaniel Metcalf Fan Club sur FIBA Radio. FIBA Radio. So, Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper, that was mental, that song. But yeah. It's um, quite an interesting one. Who's that written by? Alice Cooper. Um, he doesn't remember. That. That's off the album Dada, which is one of his Blackout trilogy. Uh, he doesn't remember making it, anything. making anything about it, which is a shame because it's my favorite. One of that's the album that once you get through, once you've established that you know that you like Alice Cooper, that's almost like his best album. Like okay. it's, it's, it's incredible, Dada. I quite like that. Again, another sort of unusual, another string to his bow. They're all fairly unusual, but it's actually quite a spooky album, and then that's like the most funny song on there. Uh, but yeah, so Alice Cooper is essentially he's a musical comedian. <laughs> so here's the thing. All right, let's read some more of this stuff. But what I wanted to briefly touch on, yeah, was Doctor Sleep. Oh yeah, have you seen it? Well, I haven't seen it. Oh, and the other thing is, I've rewatched Terminator this week in prep for New Terminator. Yeah. I could have I seen that yesterday, and I didn't. I didn't. I was off, and I was a bit like, "Shall I watch Terminator?" And I just couldn't. Like, I didn't have the Dark enthusiasm. Yeah. I just don't give a fuck. Mm. I think basically all my goodwill for another Terminator film died ages ago. Mm. Um, the last three have been terrible, and then also. I don't understand why it's been so difficult. If they're going to make another one, why it's been so difficult to just get it right. I mean, mm. Terminator, the original Terminator 3 is so tonally different from the first two. Mind you, the first and the second ones are very different from each other. Um, is this meant to be the original third one that Cameron's going to make? This is, no, this is just meant to be a part three. Right. This is like, if they were going to do a part three, which is a direct sequel to Terminator 2, then this would be James... Ca this is what James Cameron has come up with as his direct sequel. So he did sequel. have one already, didn't he? There was one in the offing that he was going to so. do. I don't think so. Wasn't there not like, like a... Um, I would imagine they'd have done that over True Lies. Yeah, but wasn't there a thing at the time where... They, where what was the thing where Arnie ends up... Uh, oh, is it just that he agreed to do it even though Cameron didn't want to do it? Then? Cameron wasn't going to do it. He was doing oh, okay. Titanic or something like that. Yeah. Or maybe he was working on Avatar. And then, um, then Schwarzenegger was very loyal to him. And he, and he got offered like 30 million. And he said, listen, I feel really bad. No, no. He, Schwarzenegger was like, I won't do it. Um, no, he was offered fucking 30 million. And then he said to James Cameron, what do I do? And James Cameron says, just take the money and do mm. it. It's, and, you know, it's fucking terrible. Um, it's really weird when it, who was directed Jonathan Mostel, yeah, who'd done U five seven one. Yeah, you know, what was the one that Kurt Russell won in the Big Lorry? What was uh, that called? Was Unbreakable. That, um, um, no, um, 
Unstoppable. Uh, oh, what was it called? What was it called? Um, unidentifiable. <laughs> um, uh, it's really good. It's got Kathleen. Yeah, it's good. Kathleen Quinlan in it. There's loads oh. of good. I quite liked um, Breakdown. It's called Breakdown. Breakdown. Um, it's uh, oh Kathleen Quinlan. Oh Mrs. Lovell in Apollo 13. The mum out of Lawn Dogs. <laughs> <Mrs>. L- <laughs> Jim Lovell's wife. Fucking hell. Yes, Mrs. Lovell. Permission to launch. Or oh, whatever. <laughs> Fucking hell. Kathleen Quinlan. Hmm. Well, I liked all those movies uh, <laughs> Russell was making around that time, actually. Fucking Breakdown's a fucking great film. Mm. Um, yeah, it was that, so that, that was the guy, because that's a great film. Yeah, so yeah. how do they make Terminator 3? <laughs> I quite, no, I quite like 3, and that three was is, the last 3 one. is dog shit, mate. You can like it. You can like it. It's got it's got an ending. Everyone goes on about the ending, but it's dog shit, right? You absolutely like it, but you have to acknowledge the fact that it is infinitely <laughs> inferior to the other films oh, that, sure. that preceded it. It's like there's two good films, and, and that's then, it. And then that's it. And they've made the, this is the seventh film, isn't it, or the sixth film? Yeah, I'm confused now by the whole uh, it's, it's thing of it. Absolute. And, and anyway, so there's this film, and then the trailers look awful. Um, but apparently the film is fine. I haven't seen it yet. But it is a weird one. But I rewatched Terminator and you go, oh, it is really like a 1980s cyberpunk uh, thriller. You know, it's kind mm. of like, uh, it, it could have been a standalone film that nobody, it's almost like, oh, what's it like? I mean, it's like the, there was films like Exterminator that were made at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's a really kind of, well, it's like a Mad Max type yeah. thing where it's got this low budget film where they didn't have permits to film anywhere and it's kind of like they... Yeah, I think um, I think Terminator 2 is a completely different animal. And Terminator 1 it's, feels like it was made by the director of Piranha 2. Yeah, it's like, um, it is almost the, um, like, like the difference between El Mariachi and Desperado in terms yeah. of what it what one's doing and one's like a massive budget film but it is, it's, it's, it's interesting that they make a massive budget sequel to what's a low budget movie yeah and, but, and also oh, so I went back and I, I watched the Siskel and Ebert uh, review of Terminator at the time and it's so weird because uh, Schwarzenegger wasn't a thing James Cameron wasn't a thing and they um, what, uh, Siskel hated it and Ebert liked it uh, uh, but despite himself they were talking about how uh, mean-spirited and ugly and violent the film was but they were also saying that it had uh, a love story in it which was its one redeeming feature and you just like, they're just looking at it from this kind of like without the benefit of hindsight they're just seeing it as kind of like this this film which was completely saved but the big bit in it is the Linda Hamilton Michael Bean story mm. And everything else is just like, well, you hate all that. But it's interesting. Like, I think a lot of that criticism has completely changed, like, in my lifetime. So there was that, like, when I was a kid, no one would deem to, like, anything that was remotely kind of mainstream. And it was that sort of 90s Mark Kermode, Kim Newman people that were like, actually, a lot of this stuff's pretty good. Whereas the kind of generation before them of film critics were almost everything would be dismissed as, like, nonsense that wasn't, like... Well, film review is meant to be all art house, and mm. I think it was Mark Kermode that was, like, saying, uh, oh, do you know what my favourite film is, of course? The Exorcist. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And then you go, what? Whereas I think that was quite interesting now. When people do it now, I, I, go, I go, sure, I mean, yeah, of course, because it's, it, it's, it's received wisdom now. I get that, I get that reaction of people all the time. You know, people come up to me and they say, Nick, what's your favourite film? And I say, this will blow your socks off. Tommy Boy. 
<laughs> and they'll go, I just, fucking hell, we thought it was going to be the Three Colours trilogy. But no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> it's fucking... Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Um, so, yeah, there's something. Anyway, it's really interesting. But So I rewatched it, and yeah, it's good, but I didn't... Um, it's weird watching it, knowing that it was one of the films that just the video cover terrified me when I was little. Um, <clears throat> but it's just been dilated, so you just uh, fucking. That was that was one of the things that we were talking about last week, where you know Stan Winston would have been one of the names that drew you in, that drew yeah. you into it. And then with this, it's just all special effects. There's a whole fucking sequence that takes place on the outside of a plane, mm. and there's two planes crashing into each other in the sky, and you go like, uh, where they're having a fight on the, and you just like, fuck off. I saw the Terminator. Just fuck uh, off. So it was on TV shortly before Terminator Two opened mm. and that was the first time I saw it but at the time I was blown away by the idea that you could that actually had the sequence where under his skin you can see the robot moving around and yeah. that that was mind blowing yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely and when you actually see the way they depict the future in that film it's like models and stuff mm. but it's really effective and they only use like a couple of shots but you there's this huge backstory that you kind of like completely buy into yeah. and I think it's you know they do very they do a lot with very little. Yeah. Anyway, so I can't get my head around Doctor Sleep, and I can't get my head around these new fucking posters that they've got everywhere yes, me that are too. basically trying to evoke uh, The Shining. The, well, not The Shining. Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Absolutely. So I don't. I can't get my head around this film at all. Right. The Shining was a novel by Stephen King. Yeah. That fa- <clears throat> Stephen King is not like. Stanley Kubrick adapted the book because he needed a hit, mm-hmm. and so he he got like this airport book, and uh, and he badly needed a hit because he'd had a couple of flops, and so he's just like, I'll adapt like a number one bestseller, and I'll do a horror film because I haven't done a horror film, and it was quite like cynical and and thought through why he was going to do it, and he adapted it, but he threw out so much of it, and there's loads of theories about kind of like uh, like conversations. Uh, visual conversations that Stanley Kubrick is having in the film with Stephen King, like changing the colour of his car, mm. and then uh, like he's got a, you know, there's a yellow VW and a red VW, and I think in the book it's red and in the film it's yellow, or maybe it's the other way around. And then halfway through the film, you see the red VW crashed underneath a, a, a lorry, and basically it's Stanley Kubrick going, "I don't give a shit about your book, mate." <laughs> Uh, I've crashed. I've crashed your family, <laughs> and this is my film now. And they changes the ending and all this. Stephen King saw it, hated it so much that yeah. twenty years later he made uh, his own version of The Shining miniseries, which he says was kind it's of a like definitive this, kind is of the, screen this is the definitive Stephen King version of it. Um, uh, but the film is obviously it's a masterpiece, and it's by Stanley Kubrick, right? And so years, forty years later, Stephen King has written a sequel. To the shine, to his shining, mm. called Doctor Sleep, and I can understand in this uh, it chapter one and two universe them wanting to adapt another Stephen King book. What? Uh, and I can understand them. I can understand Warner Brothers going, "We'd love to have a sequel to The Shining." I can understand. I can understand that version. I can also understand Stephen King uh, them adapting Stephen King's novel yeah. of Doctor Sleep. Yeah. What I can't understand. Is that they because the t- the book and the film end differently as well? So it's just like you I, you're doing an adaptation of a book 
that hates the movie. Yeah. And you're also completely basing it off the fact that it's the and is who's who directs who's directed Doctor Sleep? Well, it's directed by a guy called Mike Flanagan, and it's. <laughs> <laughs> and you know this because the poster for it, which is alluding to The Shining, does that thing like in the 70s where it used to have a box where it'd have the box with the director's name in it, especially if the director was like a named person that would be like, that's a selling point, actually. It's on the poster and it makes it look worse that they've highlighted this thing. So in a box, it's got Mike Flanagan. Uh, um uh, so it looks ridiculous because it's like directed by Mike Flanagan, as if you're meant to go, ah, oh, Mike Flanagan's Well, doing unless it. he's the new... Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't see how you can, how anyone can do a sequel to a Stanley Kubrick film. Um, yeah. Doesn't he have something to do with, oh, he did Gerald's game. So that's just, right, that makes sense. Doesn't he have something to do with Fangoria as well? Um, so he's like basically just made a bunch of horror movies. He did the, um, oh, what's it called? The Shirley Jackson book that was on Netflix, The Haunting of Hill House. Oh yeah, that's right. He did that as well. Well, that was great. Well, that was m- mainly great. There was uh, it shat the bed, didn't it? That's what <laughs> Haley said. Wasn't it? it shits the bed in the last episode. Um, but yeah, that was really good. Um, it's just, I just think it's fucking. I just can't get my head around it. I, like, I, I, it feels like it's a, it's a project that Warner Brothers must be like. Absolutely, you want to do this thing. Whereas Stephen King must be like, yeah, but I don't want it to be like a I, sequel to. But I think he must have written it. And, with the thought that it's a sequel, it'll be made into a film. So he must have he must have had to reason with himself that they will draw off the film. Oh, I couldn't understand when I saw the first trailer how heavily it was based around The, the Shining. Yeah. It's like the, you know, there's the carpet in it and the twins, and you go like, "That's it's fucking." Oh, they're not twins; they're sisters. But um, I know, <laughs> and because uh, they're not identical anyway. And uh, but it's just so I was I was I knew that The Shining sequel was coming out. But then when I saw it, it hadn't really occurred to me that it would be a direct sequel to that. I thought they'd do a thing where you could take it or leave it. Do you know what I mean? It could be, it's an ad- adaptation of the book, number one, and then it's a little bit... You yeah. know, there's maybe a couple of references to the film, but we're not really... It's its own thing, yeah. you know? And That's the way I would have thought they'd have to do it. I just think it's insane. I do. It looks crazy. And also when you watch it, it does all this thing where it makes all these allusions to... The Shining, the Kubrick Shining. And then at the same time, you're also watching the rest of the trailer and you go, this but it looks, also looks nothing looks like nothing it. looks nothing like yeah. The Shining, you know. Um, and, like, tone-wise, yeah. and it's busy, and there's loads of stuff going on. And then, so that made me, in the week, go back, and I watched, started watching 2010, starring Roy Scheider. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was the sequel to 2001. But essentially that is based on the book, isn't it? Um, and that film is boring. <laughs> Fuck me! It's one of the most boring films. I, 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 there's like maybe a 15-minute scene with Roy Scheider talking to a Russian guy, and Roy Scheider's halfway up a tower, and the Russian guy's standing on the ground, and they're just shouting up and down at each other for 15 minutes, and you just go, "This is this is insane. This that's, is so fucking boring." That's directed by Peter Hyams, and yeah. there's a lot of that kind of, I guess that was sort of quite thoughtful sci-fi that was coming out at that sort of time right probably off the back of 2001 he also did outland which is really good what's outland that's sean, sean connery, connery as the space policeman yeah that is great yeah and that's peter hyams as well so that's got another one where it's quite a sort of 
quiet in tone, but it's quiet, you know. What else has Peter moments. Holmes done? Didn't he do Universal Soldier? No, that was Roland Emmerich. Do you know what, though? I think he was around for a long time afterwards doing stuff I think like he did that. sequels yeah. to the Universal Soldier, but he did Capricorn 1. Capricorn 1 is fucking incredible. Yeah. Okay, so there's something positive. Um, <laughs> Capricorn 1. If you've not seen Capricorn 1, go and watch Capricorn 1. It's the best film O.J. Simpson ever made. Mm. Oh, bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Capricorn 1 is fucking good. Hasn't he got um, James Brolin in it? From James, Brolin, James Brolin from Master of Disguise. <laughs> He's in there. Uh, Elliot Gould. Uh, no, it's great. Capricorn One, Time Cop. That's what Peter Hyams did. Yeah. Oh yeah. In the Ta- days. Time Cop is a weird film. Do you know, Hard Target and Time Cop. Two weird films for one reason. Sam Raimi produced them. Did he really? So Sam Raimi produced Hard Target, directed by John Woo. Like in the nineties, for some reason, Sam Raimi produced two random Jean Claude Van Damme <laughs> movies. <laughs> And I, yeah, that's weird. And then the Time Cop TV series, which I don't think had anything to do with Sam Raimi, had Bruce Campbell in it for one episode. Interesting. Right, let's do... Um, <clears throat> let's go back to this. Hey, what are your thoughts on all the Marvel bashing at the moment? I think Loach, Scorsese and the Godfather fella are being plums. Dan, Dan, you've obviously never listened to the show before. <laughs> I absolutely do not rate Marvel movies. Also, I like he's called the Godfather fella. The Godfather fella. <laughs> Is that Godfather fella? Um, yeah, I don't rate Marvel movies. I think it's like watching a never-ending TV show. That you'll never re-watch any of the episodes. And I just think they're fine. They're absolutely fine. I liked Endgame and I liked the other one. But basically, I can't remember which ones I've seen. Whereas I saw the Joker and that stuck with me for and I do want to rewatch that. I know you didn't love it that much. But and I've seen the Tim Burton Batman over and over again, the Dark Knight trilogy over and over again. So I'm not I don't know why it would surprise anyone that Ken Loach doesn't like Marvel movies. Why why does Scorsese have to like he Why made, would that be even part he, of the thing? He made uh, Goodfellas and he made fucking uh, Taxi Driver. Like it also and feels Casino like if that hadn't and, happened and someone said to if three weeks ago before this had become a conversation said to Ken Loach Ken what do you think about Captain Marvel and he went I didn't see it you wouldn't be like really <laughs> it just feels like why would he have seen it why would Ken Loach have watched like um, you know Ant-Man and the Wasp but I, t- I totally understand when they're saying that, but, but this is like an old thing you know where you say you know it's not it's not cinema Cinema is one thing, movies are another thing, mm. right? And it's the difference between actors and movie stars, you know? You kind of like, you can you can have a movie star, like someone like Keanu Reeves, he's a fucking movie star and he's incredible and he does a really great job, but you wouldn't say that he's the greatest actor on the planet. Yeah. And it's just that, it's that, that equivalent, you know? Marvel films, they're all great, you watch them in the cinema, they're entertaining for two hours and never think about them ever again, whereas cinema has really stuck with me and I don't think it's pretentious to say that. Yeah. Goodfellas is one of those films that I'll watch over and over again. The Godfather and Godfather Part 2, I'll watch over and over again, you know? I'll even give a pocket clips now which I don't love another go every so often you know, the whole point of it is that you what's I what never I need to nice watch thing. I never need to watch Thor ever again yeah and I, and I watched it once at the cinema but it's nice to have a mix that's it that's it. It's, it's just when there's one thing that sort of dominates something that's when it becomes a problem no one's saying get rid of it yeah it's it's great and it's lovely to have it there but the problem is that everything's a superhero film mm. now and you know you got to the point where fucking Martin Scorsese wanted to make a film with Robert De Niro Joe Pesci Al Pacino you know that those four together on screen you know and he Struggles. couldn't get funding yeah he, and you go well no wonder he Fuck it, you know. You want to make <laughs> yeah. a, you want to make a super. You know, you, 
the, the amount of directors that have had to go and do Marvel movies and the amount of actors, you know, great, you know, oh, we could do a 10-picture deal, of course Samuel L. Jackson fucking loves them, of course Robert Downey Jr. fucking loves them. Um, but, like, I, and, and it's not saying that they're bad, but it is just saying that you've got these fucking old men who invented cinema, <laughs> and then you've got this sort of, like, popcorn entertainment stuff. And it was the same when I was growing up. You know, people, um, you know, I love action films, and um, nobody counted that as cinema. Yeah. You know, no one counted Sylvester Stallone's 90s movie, Cliffhanger. No one's saying that is epic cinema, you know, although it does have one of the greatest 10-minute openings but to any it. film it's ever nice. made. It's nice when you're able to go, but you know what? Actually, some of this stuff that you might disregard as being a bit trashy actually does have stuff in it which is really good, which you might have missed the first time. I, can't I think believe... it's like just done... It's like the inverse of what it is. It's like now we've gone too far the other way. It's like... I can't believe how vocal people are and so, about and... like bashing like these old old people that just aren't into what it's they also like. This idea just this... like do, you remember when it used to be called to like a band before they were famous? Mm. Can't we go back to that and just be like... Yeah. I I, I I rather like comic books. I mean, why does it have to? Why does everyone have to like what you like? It has to, it's this idea as well. They can't be criticised. Whereas, of course, they can. Of course, you can criticise a superhero film. It's like, oh, people like them. That means they must be good. And it's like, no, it doesn't. It's like lots of people like you can't. It's the popular thing. It's fine. They're it fucking, doesn't mean it's. They're fucking patchy. You're you're talking about twenty? Was it twenty two films that mm. includes the Incredible Hulk? Mm. Yeah, no one's rewatching that. Most people don't even acknowledge that as part of the series, even though it's definitely part of the series. So it's just it's sort of like, you know, get over it, get over it. <laughs> Um, fucking absolutely I just think it's insane also hello um, Nick there's a clear connoisseur of fruit drinks have you considered adding lilt to your collection Mary fuck lilt. We've had, I we've fucking had lilt. I fucking hate lilt but uh, like Levi Roots is Caribbean crush it's, oh. well that's the lilt that hi Nick and Nathaniel your show is so great and cheers me up on a Friday I think you two should do a reality TV show together Jade. What kind of reality show? What kind of reality TV show? What, where we both watch films? <laughs> That's reality. <laughs> um, yeah, all right, okay. Well, me and Nat will it's like go to... It's like a goggle to, box, uh, but it's us filmed as in cinema. We're not saying anything to each other. No, it's a reality, yeah. But I don't think we're filming ourselves. It's a TV show. All right, yeah, me and Nat, after the show today, we're going to bundle our way up to Channel 4 and uh, film it. Great. Perfect. Uh, because we're the ones that are in the way of getting that happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, hi, I think animation is probably the best. Oh, that's right. We were on on Saturday night. We went to Barnard Castle. I did a Barnard Castle ah, gig, and I got back. Family from Barnard Castle. Oh, near there, near right. there. Okay, I've been there loads when I was a kid. Great. I mean, it's a, it's a lovely venue. We were staying in this little cottage, and then afterwards we couldn't work out what we were going to watch because I was cooking that night because we had a cottage rather than a hotel. So I cooked, and then uh, we I didn't want to watch Hercules. I didn't want to watch uh, any of the Disney films that they watched, uh, and the selection was so poor. And then we ended up watching Mamma Mia, and <laughs> I've never watched it all the way through since uh, I walked in and watched Julie Walters stick her head underneath the toilet door, and then a projectile vomited. <laughs> so um, uh, I watched it, and fucking hell, Mamma Mia is, I think, the worst film ever made. <laughs> yeah, it got a sequel. I'm not, and do you know what? I don't think Mamma Mia's cinema either. There you go. Um, I think animation is probably the best. I could also see you as dogs. <laughs> Which dog do you, do you think, think you'd be? I'd be the top dog. That I <laughs> nah. see as a spaniel, and Nick, I think you're a shaggy. But yeah. 
Shaggy was the owner, not the dog. Yeah. Uh, that's absolutely <laughs> null and void. I think if you're a Shaggy, you I should shot. be Sting. Yeah, <laughs> Shaggy and Sting. That would be amazing. But then why don't they voice it? Yes, Shaggy and Sting voice some dogs in a film. Remember when they were building the boats on the dock and I was writing Roxanne? <laughs> Tim Allen in the Shaggy Dog remake. Tim and it. Love this show. Do you remember? Pa- oh, we've, we've done, done that. that. Okay. All right, hang um, on. Last one. Is it? Dear both. Is that right? Yeah, um, that's it. Dear both. Won't be able to listen live today, having a bit of a day here, but we'll catch up on this week and last week at some point over the weekend. Just to break up the film fandom with some comedy fandom, I want to say that I've been a fan of Lucy Pearman, fantastic comedian that Nick highlighted to me. Love her current show, Baggage, and think it's her best yet. Also, Mex in a Van, Commitment. Saw them at Soho Theatre last Friday. Love their show too. I believe they've got a tour coming up soon. Tonight I'm hoping someone's bringing his A-game to Leicester Square Theatre. I've been looking forward to that for months. Tragically, I've completely lost my voice, so I'll just have to be quiet and behave myself. Got some mint M&Ms. Hello, Karen. For you, Nick. And some white chocolate buttons. For you, Nat. Which That's I'll try nice. to remember to leave with the one-man megamyth tonight. This is more like a... <laughs> thank you so much for all the film tips throughout the year, especially... Capernaum. When did we talk about that? Uh, no, I think that was something that I recommended on uh, Twitter. Twitter. You're wasting our time, Karen. Max Halley. So oh, make sure oh, right, I get right, that. That's next, right? This right. Sort of thing. Right. So um, make thanks, sure, make th- sure I get. Thanks those, for the uh, message, Karen. I'll see you later. And um, white uh, chocolate buttons. Make sure I white, get those. White chocolate buttons. Make um, sure I get those. Okay, we're going to go and get our guest now. Uh, what's your song? My song is by the Fifth Dimension. It's another day, another heartache. Michael Menatan and Metal Fan Club sur Fibar Radio. Oh, that's right. Max, talking to yeah. your microphone. Yeah, hello. Yeah, I've done it. I've done the right mic. I've done, my, I've done the correct mic. We're on. We're joined in the studio now by Max Halley. Mm. Uh, and not Haley. Not like Haley. Uh, like the 50s pop star. Or the comet. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, my great, 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 great granddad. Is a comet was Edmund Halley, the oh, astronomer right. royal. Is that right? After whom the comet is named, yeah. Quite there an amazing go. guy. Is that true? Yeah, that's true, yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, for real. He did loads of other mad stuff. He invented life insurance. He published Newton's Ex Principia with his own money because Newton was considered a heretic. Ah. Uh, that Newton thing, like standing on the shoulders of giants, is talking about people like Halley helping him out. Wow. Yeah, mad, isn't it? God. That was your great, 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 great grandfather. Yeah, etc. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, mad. Wow. wow. And that's almost like, I mean, I, that could have not come up. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got to say, it gives one an enormous sense of well being knowing that out there there is a celestial body with your name. <laughs> it's quite far out. Well, Joe, when it's coming back? Yeah, uh, no, it was every 84 years, isn't it? So I think, wasn't it in the 80s? 80s, the I seem time. to remember it being yeah, a big so thing on Blue the Peter. Six, the 60s, sometime in the 60s. 2060s, what, the 2060s. What, what's, so, um, what's so special about Harley's Comet? 
just Massive. goes and comes back. It? Covered in ice. Is that what it is? I've no idea. Can you see it from the from the Earth? Yeah, yeah. Every eighty-four years. Yeah, but uh, tell me through this, right? Because I don't know anything. Because I've obviously grown up, always known what that is. Mm. That it's a thing, but I've never thought about it once. Yeah, some massive now, hunk of rock. Now it's kind of like, why is it such a big? Is it like this tiny little speck in the sky? Yeah, there was in about. Can you see it in daylight? Nineteen ninety-eight. There was one called Hail Bop. That oh, yeah. you could see in the daytime. Mm. Yeah. Just the sort of almost like a V. Do you remember? Did you look at it? I, I remember being at school and looking at it. Uh, I it remember was, Halley's Comet the last can time. Can you get that a picture of this? Yeah. Please. Hail Bop was the last one that we could see. Right. Yeah. Um, so I guess it just. This is melting my mind a bit. So it's. It, 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 this is almost. It's going like, around the world. Or around the <laughs> sun, it's going sun. around the solar system, <laughs> yeah. around the solar system, doing a circle. It's like a I'm here for the science, yeah. isn't it? So <laughs> I mean, don't don't listen to this show if you're after science. No, no, but no, no we're no. doing our best. No. Um, and to be honest, I thought it was Halley's comet. Yeah, oh, but, sh- but it's watch ha- it. It's sun. Halley's comet. It's Halley's comet. Yeah. Okay. Because I think it was '86. I think. Oh, was it? Because I think it was. Because that's why I think there's lots of. That's why we had which all would that make weather. it seventy. No, sixty. When 60. it comes back. Yeah, that'd be eighty-four. Yeah, so twenty sixty. Cool. That's I mean, it. So uh, and so, what is it? I mean, look at how small the stars are behind. Have it. you got it's a picture huge. of it there? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah. Cool. This is good radio. Is that Halley's comet or Hale Bop? I think that's Hale Bop. Hale Bop. That's Hale Bop. And Hale-Bop. what's what, and that got? you could see in the daytime. I remember looking at it at school. I find that difficult to believe that what, you could see what? it in the daytime. Oh, well, How old are you, like, Max? Where are we going to go? See <laughs> you could see it, what? As, as clear as you could see the Death Star over at Endor? No. <laughs> no. How old are you, Max? 638. You're 638? Yeah. There you go. So you remember Ali's coming, right? Yeah. No, I'm 37. 37. Yeah, I, rec- okay. I think it was in the late 90s. I remember being at school. I remember, I remember, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I remember the talk of it. I don't know what the fuck either of you are talking about <laughs> right now. And this I'm is, yeah, Hail Bop, but I guess it's like a sort of mini Halley's Comet. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like uh, the Hanson. Well, that's, that's, yeah. It's, it's Hanson to Nirvana. <laughs> so that's uh, Mbop. <laughs> yeah. And Hail, Hail Bop. That's, Mbop. That's, that's the joke I'm going for. <laughs> Uh, so, right, so you are the owner of Max's Sandwich Shop, yes, which is uh, a sandwich shop in Crouch Hill. I've been there. Mm, have you? Good. I've been there. Excellent. You've got a sandwich from there? I've had a sandwich. We well, can't get fuck all else there, bruv. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can. You can get, you uh, can get you, a plate of kimchi. You can get some, uh, you can get, this is how we spring roll. That's a sandwich. Is it? Yeah. So it's a pickled, what, it's a sandwich with pickled spring rolls? Yep. Now, do you make everything on site? Yep. So you make the spring roll? Yep. And then you pickle it? No, we pickle the vegetables that you would traditionally get inside a spring roll. And then when you order the spring roll sandwich, the pickles are removed from their liquor, wrapped in a spring roll wrapper and thrown in a deep fat fryer. Is it delicious? It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, like good. pickled stuff generally is delicious. Spring rolls from the fish and chip shop are delicious. Well, I remember like, yeah. they used to, and then 
massive. In I, my in my fish and chip shop when we were growing up, yeah. they used to deep fry them with batter. Yeah, and batter I've and not spring s- roll. I've not seen that <coughs> since the early nineties. Yeah. Trust me, there's a sandwich up in Finsbury Park where you're going to be seeing that soon. Oh right. Uh, maybe then, we, if we could get enough batter on it, we'd get away with only putting one in. But they were, you're yeah, right. They were like these huge. They were yeah, almost the size massive. of burritos. Where yeah. they were, and, oh, look at you, you're <laughs> salivating. Yeah. Um, it was like a spring roll, you and have it a go had on my toasty. It had pork and prawns and chicken, and uh, my favourite is the uh, bean sprouts, bean sprouts, oh, and yeah. peas, and just and then they would put it in a spring roll. It would be fucking huge, mm. and then they would put it in batter and deep fat fry it, mm. and it was just a, a wonderful starter. When <laughs> I went, I had. The thing I had, I think it was like ham, egg, and chips. Yeah, that's a fucking disgusting nature one. But that has like the chips were like even thinner than like chipsticks. Yeah, kind of. they're sh- almost like string fries. It's yeah. what the French call allumette, like matchsticks, because they're the same. Yeah, exactly. Same dimension as a matchstick. Yeah, yeah. you're not an egg man. And Does you that mean you don't it. like mayonnaise? Um, I'm not a fan of mayonnaise, but it's, it's not the same as full on egg. <laughs> Stop saying it. <laughs> Stop saying Oh, there we go. We've got the menu up. Oh, my God. That is that menu is five years old. Mm. Yeah. And the Hammigan Chips is still there. The BJ Benton. So named after that, my friend that, BJ Benton. Oh, right. So it's not what I was thinking. <laughs> it's not a blowy <laughs> gag. Um, they, <laughs> well, I mean, it could, could be. Spice, fritter, beetroot. Uh, what's that? Bacon? No. Where's it? Say? Oh, Labney. Oh, um, it says be- beetroot barani. Oh, beetroot right. barani. That's like walnuts, Beetroot, dill, yogurt, uh, olive oil, lemon juice. So a bit like a frappe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> sweet herbs. Do you mean like one of them sweet coffees? No. Uh, like a French thing that you would buy. In, it's normally celeriac or beetroot. Oh, yes. Rappe. Like grated. Rappe. Yeah, rappe. grated. You get carrot rappe, like grated carrot with orange juice on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like this is much more like a sauce. Much more like a sauce. More like a hummus kind of texture. Ah, right. Because it's got loads of walnuts, so when you blend it up, it goes, um, yeah, like hum, hum, hummusy. Text, yeah, hummusy. Labne, which is like strained yogurt. Um, um, what's your beef all about? Braised beef? Um, I'm sorry, parsley and pomegranate. Pomegranate in uh, savoury things is fucking incredible, isn't in, it? In coleslaw, it is delicious. And I, we put loads of pomegranate molasses in the coleslaw too. Pomegranate molasses is incredible. <laughs> it is. Yeah, because it, there's not many things that are as good in coleslaw as they are on ice cream. And <laughs> pomegranate molasses <laughs> is one of those things. Right. Like, yeah, you, you know you've got a genuinely decent... Ingredient or condiment when you can, yeah, you can <laughs> stick it on vanilla ice cream or whack it into coleslaw. So obviously you love food. Yes, indeed. So when, where, so where, where were you born? Let's talk us through this. I was born in Hammersmith. Born in Hammersmith. Yeah, and then when I was two, my little sister Lydia was born, and my parents decamped out of London and moved to Somerset, and I grew up there. Did you ever go to Wookie Hole? Many times. It's fucking great. I went Do there. You know, is it true that Paul Daniels used to own it? This used to be the the myth. I like those Paul myths. Daniels owned, owned Wookie Hole Wookie Cave. Hole. And I don't know. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> is that one of the I, I one of the reasons why Noel Edmonds bought Crinkly Bottom? <laughs> he, was, he was jealous of Wookie Hole. Really? See? So you had Daniels, yeah. Edmonds, 
and Parton. Maybe <laughs> that's where. Yeah. Um, oh my God, the... Dolly Wood, isn't it? Because isn't, isn't Wookiee Hole the one as the witch? So maybe yes, Paul yes, Daniels, magic, aren't they? They've both yeah. got their magic powers. <laughs> so I went to Wookiee Hole this year. And, oh, cool. Because um, uh, I was doing the Wells Festival, Wells Comedy Festival, uh-huh. and. Uh, yeah, and Wookiee Hall is a great day out. Yeah, and isn't it by Cheddar Gorge? Uh, yeah, it's by Cheddar Gorge. Yeah. But then also, um, so they, so there's all the caves, and basically there's um, a, a stalactite, stalagmite formation that looks like a witch. Um, it doesn't. But there's like, <laughs> the legend is that there was a witch that got turned to stone, and then you go around, and then when you're in underground, they use the caves to actually uh, keep cheese. Oh. And then, and then when you come out of it, for some reason, they've built these giant animatronic dinosaurs and <laughs> a statue of King Kong, a life-size <laughs> statue of King Kong, and you just like it's absolutely incredible. It's so many things just crammed together. Yeah. you can get cheese samples and stand yeah, in and between like King Kong's legs. Victorian and arcade machines yeah, and stuff. It's, it's, like, it's crazy, who? but it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Wookiee Hole. I tell you what, guys, at the annual meeting. We've figured out what we're missing is Victorian <laughs> arcade machines to complete our customer experience. I didn't know experience. it was like a sort of funfairy thing. I thought it's it was quite a national trusty kind of stuff. No, it's no, loads it's, of really... It's weirder than it's that. It's really weird okay. stuff. And then also there's kind of like a hotel that you can stay in there. And the hotel has uh, like pointed roofs like that. But they're shaped like witches' hats. So they're all like crooked. Cool. Ah. Um, it's... Oh, I just... I mean, I could. I was there for about an hour and a half because I had a gig to get back to. But um, my, my, me and my mum and my dad went this year. We just took loads of photos of all of the stuff, and uh, I felt like I was five again. It was brilliant. Yeah, I, loved I, it. I love it. Cheddar Gorge is amazing. It's like I've not been. It's sort of. I mean, it like it, it is. Britain's Grand Canyon, which unfortunately sums up the geographical difference between Britain <laughs> and America. But it is like a sort of crevice, yeah. you know, broken into the earth, and you can climb, you get like abseilers and climbers, and how big is be- it? It's, it's long, it's probably a mile long, something right. like that, whereas the Grand Canyon is a mile is it, is deep. It, yeah, how yeah, tall is it? I, I don't know. I think you, you, in sort of half an hour, 40 minutes, you can kind of scrabble up, scrabble up the side. Okay. Right. right. Yeah, if there's a path. No, I don't think you can rock climb up in 40 minutes. I went to the Grand Canyon once. Mm. Um, it was overcast that day and you couldn't oh. see it. <laughs> well, there was fog in it. Yeah, <laughs> you couldn't fucking... Like, we, oh, were, we were getting ready to, and we were just like, fucking hell, it's the Grand Canyon, it's going to be really hot, we're in the middle of the desert, fucking yeah. hell. So we need sunblock and we need to wear, like, cool clothes and uh, we need lots of water and we got there and it rained and it was overcast <laughs> and it was absolutely miserable. We couldn't oh, see fuck all. Oh. Um, ended up just uh, spending money in the gift shop and mm. saying that we went to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Um, you but, still went, uh, you just didn't see still it. Still went, but I reckon uh, next time. I'll be going closer to home, to the Cheddar Gorge. Yes. Uh, shop local. So <laughs> <laughs> that's so, Brexit. That's, that's Brexit. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, right. Okay, so you grew up in Somerset. Yeah. And then what? Moved to London to go to university. And did university? you go to university? Uh, uh, did ancient history. In where? Where was it? UCL. UCL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How uh, did you find that? That must have been a big difference between going s- from Somerset to being in kind of like a city university. Yeah. I don't know. I've never not enjoyed it, to be honest. Was, Do you think of yourself as London because of Hammersmith? I don't know. When people ask me where I'm from, I do normally say Somerset. All right. Yeah. Mm. 
But I think that's all about where you connect. Because I was born in London, but moved to St Albans, and I never really felt like I fit in St Albans. Yeah. And I moved back to London, and now I feel like I'm home again. Yeah, and I I came back here in 2000, so... Oh, shit, that's actually more than half my life. I'm 37. Yeah, 19 years I've been living back in London. So I've actually lived in London for longer than I lived in Somerset. But, yeah, I do... And I do you, still... was it always North London then, from then on? Yeah, yeah, always. Because, yeah, my, my halls of residence at uni were in... Home Camden. No, oh, yeah, co- yeah, yeah. Uh, ca- on Camden Road. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. I for Evans. Max Rain House. And, uh, yeah, anyway, and so it was just, like, natural to move a bit further north, and so I moved to Green Lanes. And then I've lived in... Finsbury Park or Manor House ever since. And that's where the sandwich shop. Uh, what year did you open the sandwich shop? Huh? What year did you open the sandwich 2014. shop? 2014. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, five years. It's actually five years. What's the date today? 25th? 25th, yeah. Two and a bit, two, the 14th of November 2014, I opened the sandwich shop. So it's nearly. Nearly five, five years, years ago. You're going to have a big bash? No, I'm not going to do it. Are we? I don't even do a Christmas sandwich at Christmas. I don't do a Halloween sandwich at Halloween. We just leave everything exactly that. the same. I respect that. And people come back. And it, well, about a thousand people a week. I just yeah. went to one of my favourite restaurants, and they have changed how they make one of my favourite things, and I'm. It's irreplaceable. What is it? It was. Uh, it sounds. It sounds shit, but there's this. Um, uh, there's this sort of like Japanese but I think it's kind of Korean but it's this Japanese place uh, called In- uh, Inko uh, Nito in right. uh, Soho mm. and they do this grilled baby gem lettuce oh I love grilled that lettuce that has uh, sort of like um, it doesn't have kimchi on it but it has Asian flavourings on it <laughs> I don't know what it is right but is it crunchy stuff really uh, no no it's crunchy and it's kind of it's like uh, very thinly sliced seaweed oh nice uh, and but like it's almost it's sort of like a very salty soy ba- soy sauce based um, uh, glaze that's Ooh, on it nice nice, uh, nice. but they, it used to be but they don't do it anymore bastards and uh, they don't do it like that anymore and I was really I was, like, I'm absolutely gutted because I, I love lettuce it's a very boring thing to love but I love <laughs> it um, and yeah they did it so well and they've changed it slightly um, so you've got kimchi here do you make your own kimchi no 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 we don't my friend James makes kimchi too good uh, he has a company called Kim Kong Kimchi right that uh, is made in Haringey uh, he used to make it at his mum's house. I don't know where he makes it now, but it's so good. I did, it's like, but I think that that's absolutely fine. Well, it's, it's, there's a big, the sort of constant thing that I spend my time thinking about in the context of a restaurant is I, what is it worth trying to make, and what mm. is it not worth trying to make? Also, like, you're supporting your friends. You're like, supporting your friend's business as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly, yes. exactly. But he's like, yeah, lots of things like James is better at making kimchi than me. Mm. Yeah. And it would take up lots of my time <laughs> to get as good at James as making kimchi. Also, and a sandwich is, uh, by its very nature, a collection of sourced ingredients. Isn't it? Yeah, an excuse to condiment. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Yes, it, it, yeah, it is. It's lots of things brought together. Of course, most, most of the stuff in the sandwich shop we're, we're making, and the sandwiches are very much like... They're kind of per- perceived initially as plates of food not as sandwiches so why why so, sandwiches uh no one owned it. it the market maxed out at pret or at like pissed off your face getting a bagel at 2am on brick lane and that was kind of where the where the sandwich game ended like fernandez and wells in soho were making like 
nice Sarnies. But there was no one who'd done kind of what Yanni Papoutsis did to the burger from at, it, with meat liquor. Right. What, you know, people like Carl Clark did with fried chicken from KFC to kind of chicken sours. And I just felt like no one incredible. kind of no one had done no one had done the Sarnie. No one and mm. you know, my background was very much sort of swanky restaurants, cooking in swanky restaurants. So okay. let's go back to that then. So you were at university in London in two thousand. Yeah. You did ancient history. Yeah. And then you graduated. Yeah. Flying colours. Yeah. Then you uh, leave university. Yeah. You're Got in London, you're like, unemployed, what do you do? Oh you get a job in a shit publishing company <laughs> and hate it. And then I, doing something I really actively didn't enjoy, made me, made me realise that actually I sat around in my office plotting my lunch and plotting my dinner and yeah. I just realised, oh, fuck all this. I was phoning people up, selling classified ads in the back of a trade magazine and I, I don't think it worked. I think it was, I was quite good at it, you know, I've got yeah. a fat mouth on me and I sold lots of people these classified ads. And the truth is, I, I don't really think it works. I think it's, no one looks <laughs> at those things. And I, I, you know, it was sort of soul destroying. I felt like I was, it was for kind nothing. of ripping people off for a living, you know, and yes. that I just thought, and yeah, no, anyway, that was when I realised that I was just, I wanted to work in the food business. Because you were sort of obsessing with food. Yeah, and like my dad's a wine journalist, so I've kind of grown up in quite right. a foody, winey world anyway. Like holidays as a kid was all, I don't know, go to the winery and eat some kind of mushed up comfy duck or whatever it might be. And yeah, so I just, it, it was just natural. I was, I, it is the thing that I am most interested in. It's a weird thing, isn't it, uh, food? Because um, I think it, people underestimate it, but I'm on tour at the moment and uh, I can't eat before I go on stage because mm. um, it slows me down. Mm. And so we're constantly hunting for places to eat at mm. 3 o'clock or at uh, 11 o'clock at night. Mm. And it's like this thing where you have to plan your day around when you're going to eat. You have to mm. eat. Mm. And you we all must eat it. or we shall die. So you do end up spending the majority of your time thinking about <laughs> what you want to eat, <laughs> where you want to eat, eat <laughs> when, when, how, and where you're going to get your next but meal also from. also you're going yeah. in sort of small towns and things often where you're probably not going to find much... At 11, it's going to be anything... No. no. It's like kebab shops and curry well, houses, isn't it? Well, yeah. we've had a lot of curry. I love a countryside <laughs> curry house. Though. Yeah, but yeah. There, there is a, such a thing as too many <laughs> yes, curry <laughs> houses. Yes, we've eaten curry almost every night. <laughs> um, yeah, so, mm. it, so hunting around for food and thinking about yeah. it, and, and it, obsessing about it. I yeah, think. And, and then it became restaurants that... So I like I've got I've got a little I've got a little rant about how I feel about it actually of like why why I work in restaurants. The, so you got the that that famous fact with the humans and the dolphins, right? That only the humans and the dolphins fuck for pleasure, not just for procreative purposes. Sure. And so what they say the the humans and the dolphins have done is they have converted a mere biological function 
into, in, into a, a joy, time. into a joy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, into something wonderful I know I and am. a joy. <laughs> and, uh, the, I'm not sure if it counts on your own, bruv. The, um, no, it's and, with a dolphin, <laughs> so if everyone's happy, to be they, fair. Yeah, and so, <laughs> like, like I said before, we all have to eat or we're going to die, literally. We all yeah, must yeah. consume calories to burn for energy to stay alive. And what, what a great restaurant does... It's just like the humans and the dolphins. It's taken the mere kind of consuming of calories for energy and it's converted that into a joy. You're right. It's a nice, And I yeah. think that's fundamentally, that's a wonderful thing to do for yeah. a living. You know, it's really, yeah. you're, you know, without sort of, yeah, you're kind of giving people something wonderful. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they could literally just eat like plain pasta or toast exactly, or whatever yeah. and you're probably going to get... A significant level of the nutrition that you would require sure. to stay alive. Um, yeah. Well, David Trent said that thing recently, isn't he? Where he's got, a, he's lost a lot of weight. He's a friend of ours, and he was saying that his thing is he, he's had to stop thinking of food as always being pleasurable, and sometimes just think of it as being, as being fuel sustenance. Yeah, just go. Stop thinking of it like it's something you've always got to be yeah. like. Oh, I need you to have something really. seconds off. Yeah. On like a, on a <laughs> pornographic level. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, the way you just to stop think thinking it. about it. You go, oh yeah, that, I guess that's right. It's Whereas just think, lunch. Yeah, that's all it is. You don't. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. Doesn't have to be something incredible. Well, that might help doesn't me have to be sexy. Sometimes it's just milking your dick. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that, I think that was a different conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. I was thinking about the dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, carry on as you were. Uh, well, it's, yeah. Yeah, so, lunch, um, isn't it? Yeah. Sandwiches yeah. and that. So, if you could eat anything right now, what would it be? You've got something with you. Half a toasty. From Where have you got your toasty from? From my girlfriend's cheese shop. Wh- which, which? Uh, it's called Wine and Rind, and it is in Holcomb Market in Tottenham. Good title. Yeah. It's a very good title. What's, like your, what's your favourite cheese? What's my favourite cheese? We see, I don't really eat cheese. Like, there's never been any... There's been no cheese in any sandwiches at the sandwich shop in fact at the moment there is a my girlfriend's called Holly Chavez and there is there's a sandwich on the menu called a lasagna sandwich for Holly Chavez that has bechamel with telegio in it and it is the first and only cheese that has ever been in a sandwich in the sandwich shop wow <laughs> but yeah. you'd have thought that that would have been like one of the first things exactly and I think that that was put like that's why I was never bothered about because not you've putting got cheese that contact in. though because well yeah I mean but the I think cheese is a bit... It's a bit like in the early 2000s, if you were a vegetarian, all you ever ate in restaurants was mushroom risotto and beetroot and goat's cheese. In, like, be it a tart or a shitty little salad or whatever. And I think that in sandwiches, cheese has been that... Like, it's not not in toasties, because you're melting it. It's becoming something else. But, yeah. like... It's like the default veggie thing that it's like, oh, it's, we need a veggie sandwich. We can't use ham or bacon, cheese. And so I wanted, when the sarni shop opened, I wanted to, you know, I was trying to turn the sarni into something you could have for dinner, like because we only open at night. And um, yeah, so I, I didn't use cheese like deliberately because it just seemed sort of too, yeah, right. too obvious a thing for the veggie option. And like we do spring rolls or croquettes and stuff like that. Yeah. You, you sort of serve too much because yours is kind of can be post pub, but also just be yeah. your dinner, right? It's yeah, like exactly. A, it, it really is. It could be pre or post. Yeah, it can be pre or post or <laughs> during. <laughs> Wherever the dolphin happens to be at the time. Um, <laughs> um, this Hail to the King uh, 
sandwich. Oh yeah, that is that's a sandwich from the books, my my cookbook, so, not from the Sony shop. But okay. that is peanut butter and jalapeno and streaky bacon. Yeah, peanut oh, butter, bacon, jalapenos, and then if you get rid of the jalapenos and put banana, that is Elvis's favourite sandwich, which is why. It's called Hail to the King. This is why, it's why he, he died, died on the <laughs> And you were talking about Bruce Campbell before, and I, yeah. Hail to the King always makes me think of oh, that yes. Army of Darkness. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Where, uh, the, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And like, it really Hail to the King. He's, I think he says that when he's like, and he cocks his shotgun. Yeah, it's yeah. when uh, he kisses the woman. <laughs> yeah. At the Hail end, to the king. at the end of the uh, US uh, so US version movie. of the movie, <laughs> of the inferior US cut. Uh, yeah. At the Ooh. end, he goes. Hail, Let's talk about Army of Darkness. We don't do that ever. <laughs> uh, he brought it up. I no, don't know. No, no. So um, yeah, right. Okay, hang on. So, right, so you've got a lasagna-based sandwich. Now, do you use the bread as if it was the pasta? No, there is the. So all the sandwiches contain six things: hot, cold, sweet, sour, crunchy, soft. Right. Like all the sarnies have all six of those things because I think that's kind of the secret of deliciousness. Basically, that if you're and if you have scientifically broken that down and worked it out, um, like Edmund Talley, no, no, I've not, no, but I've just made a shitload of sandwiches that adhere to those rules and cooked in restaurants where you plate up dishes that adhere to those rules. Yeah, and. I use them to make the sandwiches, yeah. That those are good. hot, cold, sweet, sour, crunchy, soft. Hot those. as in spicy. And in my context, hot as in temperature. Right. As a contrast to cold. Okay. Yeah. So how, <laughs> how does that work then? What do you mean? Um, if you've got, I'd say, let's it's a savoury sandwich. Yeah. So you've got hot bacon. Yeah. And you've got cold... Well, let's take take one of my sandwiches, yeah. like the ham, egg and chips, for example. Yeah. Something hot, you have ham hock meat and you have a fried egg. Right. Something cold, well, you have arguably all the other components of the sandwich. Sure. Crunchy, you have crisps and you have vegetables from Piccalilli in little cubes. Uh, sweet, you have the Piccalilli and the ham meat is super sweet, that rich ham hock meat. Uh, and sour, yeah, you have loads of malt vinegar in the mayonnaise, and you have pick a lily. So you have, yeah, all six of these. Oh, the spring roll sandwich. There's, you know, you can go through them. Like all yeah, the, yeah. yeah, all the sarnies adhere to that. I, for me, that is how you make the best sandwiches. Is you make sure they have all of those things. Yeah, sounds really good. Have you have you brought us any sandwiches? <laughs> no. Unbelievable. They, well, because the shop doesn't no, open until six. <laughs> yeah. The shop doesn't open till six, so they're still in there making bread at the moment. So you make your own bread. Yep. Okay. This is so if you've got staff in there from the morning, then who are preparing everything for? They start about one. Right. Yeah, and then we open at six. Or well, the kitchen start at one. Front of house start later. Okay. Yeah. So right. So now you're working in restaurants. So you've gone from being publishers. Yeah. You're now started. So you've working, gone from that and you started cooking in a restaurant. So in, where was that? So you're like working in, in the kitchen of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In a little hotel in Wales. I moved for a year to Wales. Well, about some Wales? To the, to, technically to Herefordshire, mm. a place called Ruck Hall. It's on. I can't remember what that county's called. Pow- Powys? Powys. Yeah, yeah. it could be. It's near Hay-on-Wye. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Nice down there. 
So yes, then, I did that for a year. So when you're doing that, are you doing mm. that in training to be... It's like when... I, I always wonder that. When people work in big restaurants and they work yeah. in the kitchens, are they doing it with an eye to being, one day I'll have my own restaurant, or are you literally working I, I, in the kitchen? I, I guess so. And I arguably... That's the argument that a lot of restaurant owners have used for underpaying people. Right, OK, that because makes sense. Because like, it's like... training. Experience. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, we've got a Michelin star, so... This is your apprenticeship. We're doing, yeah, we're doing you a gotcha. favour letting you work here, because so, then you can go and get another job in another restaurant. Because it's a long One way to go. Up. It's a long way up the kitchen hierarchy. So, yeah. But yeah. it's not yeah. impossible. No, no, no. I mean, no, no, many but it's also a long it. way for you to it, move to work in a... Right, right. Oh, yeah, but I just didn't know anyone else. I, like, I didn't know anyone who worked in food, and my, I knew this guy called Harry who'd has had a little restaurant and yeah so I just asked him can I have a job and I went and worked for him for a year but and was it like a thing where you thought maybe uh, working in the food industry would be for you and then you did it and then it all clicked uh, yeah to be honest I've never not enjoyed it mm. ever since I started mm. I you know I think I actually like your metier or whatever it is like I think I actually I picked well. I picked the thing. I really thought about it. And it was like, I am genuinely interested in food, in the science of food, mm -hmm. the history of food, the, in food itself. And, yeah, I've just, I don't know, I've been like a pig in shit ever since, to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah. <laughs> so at what point did the idea come for, like, <laughs> so was the sandwich shop the first, the first sort of venture? I, yeah, my first business. Well, I had a sort of, I had a food wholesaling business for about a year and a half that was <clears throat> nearly 10 years ago that was a complete disaster. Right. And then, yeah, this was like my first, the first business, this was the second business I started and the first one that went as I might have hoped. It and it, and did it take off immediately? I got very lucky and got reviewed in time out like really soon after opening. And I think, yeah. And she nailed it by that point. Yeah, I mean, it was. Be, I, I'd spent nearly ten years working in in restaurants before opening the Sarni shop. So, to be honest, it was like it was all ready when we opened. It wasn't a pun. I sort of yeah, it was all. But it's not something that's evolved. It's something where you, know, you knew exactly how to do it and how you wanted to do it. Yeah, I had yeah, I had the idea for it and I executed it. Yeah. And yeah. What, how late are you open? Uh, till eleven p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. No, on Wednesday and Thursday till midnight on Friday and Saturday. Until 6 p.m. on Sunday to go to the pub. Right. Yeah. And then we're closed totally Monday and Tuesday. So you could come and get us Arnie at 11 o'clock when you're, you know, out looking for stuff. Oh, they're <laughs> not like, a million miles away. Hello. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, I'm normally. <laughs> I finish about 10 30 and then yeah, I have to do Oh, a yeah, bunch you'll be all right. Stuff. If I, you're in I'm, Finsbury Park, anyway, you can yeah. pop to... No, but I won't be up here, mate. I just really want a sandwich now. <laughs> but I'm not going to finish till, like, midnight. Tonight. No, sure, not tonight. You can't have it. So I'll phone in early, get him to keep you one. We had Morgan McLennan and she brought in some cheeses. She, she brought cool. in cheese balls. She had, like, cheese balls. She had biscuits. She's, she she travelled She travelled a bit further than you, actually. Muswell Hill, wasn't it? Muswell Hill, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she came so. in and she had Yeah, she bought loads of cheese. Have you got some popcorn there? No, that's no, just cards. They're movie trivia cards. Do you know what? Should, <laughs> should we play your song? <laughs> oh, yes, please. What's your, what's your favourite song? Uh, well, I don't know, but this, I love this one. Donny Hathaway, Jealous Guy, from the lo the live version. It, oh. That's definitely my favourite one. Uh, we're still in the studio with Max Halley. And we are talking about... That's a fucking... I, I love Jealous Guy. I think that's a really great song. Uh, obviously, I like uh, 
the John Lennon version. Yeah. Who's the other guy? Uh, Roxy Music. Yeah, yeah Brian, Brian Ferry, Ferry did it, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good song, isn't it? And well, that's another good version. That, of that. That I'd quite like to. I think I would, I would dig that out as well. I'd like mm. to hear it properly when I'm not talking over it. Yeah, about a Preta really Mondre. good cover so, of the Ghetto so on that we, album as well. That Gil Scott Heron track. What yeah. we learned about Max over the over the song was that uh, he thinks Subway is dog shit. Yeah, uh, but Preta Mondre is all right. Yeah, indeed, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. What's your you What's your favourite Preta? Listen, Preta yeah. McDonald's. Uh, don't know. I think, oh, I think a share of it, isn't it? Yeah, I think Nothing it's wrong with Mackey D's either. Uh... Um, <laughs> I think someone asked me what my favourite burger was the other day, clearly expecting me to be like, you know, I don't know, some street food thing or whatever. It's like, fucking Big Mac, mate. Increasingly, I'm coming it's back the to. Best burger! I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of burgers in general, right? But. I will eat McDonald's yeah. over a fucking thing that's too big to fit in your fucking yeah. mouth. Oh, you got to use a knife and fork yeah. for. Yeah. It's the world gone mad, man. So, <laughs> fucking, I tell you what though, we were on tour and we stopped off. At a, it was, it was, uh, it was like our falling down moment. We stopped off at a service station and it was eleven uh, fifty-five a.m. Mm. and we got there and there was KFC and we said, "What time do you open?" And they said, "12ish." And you just knew that they weren't ready and they hadn't switched anything on <laughs> yeah. and they were like cleaning no it the all. Bogs yet. And then there was a fucking Burger King and we ended up having to go to Burger King and then the amount, sheer amount of people that were turning up to KFC getting absolutely fucking furious with them and then having to go to Burger King and then people were like halfway through their burgers and KFC opened up and you could just hear all the tables just fucking murmuring about how fucking livid they were. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, I would, yeah so KFC. Uh, in... In 2001, McDonald's bought a 33% non-controlling stake in oh, the company Pre- in Pret a oh, which so they really. sold in 2008 to the private equity firm Bridgepoint Capital. Oh. <laughs> also, this just in, it's Mother Shipton's Cave in Knaresborough, North Yorkshire, that was once part owned by oh, Paul Daniels. So he did own a cave. He owned he, a cave, but not Walkie Home. I love it. Yeah. You like make a, you become a millionaire, and you're like, I tell you what, I'm going to get me own cave. Do you know what though? I don't that's, think what, he... that's what Batman did. <laughs> yeah. That is what Batman did. Bruce Wayne. That's just the millionaire dream. Uh, well, to I be fair what... to Bruce Wayne, he was a billionaire. Uh, yes, right. indeed, okay. indeed. I wonder what Paul Daniel's secret identity is. Oh, which soup captain? Whisper. It would be Captain Planet. It would be Whisper. One of the gummy bears. Fucking hell! What the fuck is that? Is that it, Mother Shipton's cave? It's got fucking to be shrunken heads hanging off of it. That's a beautiful cave. Yeah, it is. Can you buy a cave? Even that feels like someone's just um, swindled Paul Daniels. How much is a cave? How much? How much for a cave? Any cave. That cave, uh, to quote the great man himself, looks magic. (laughs) (laughs) I like it, but but not not a lot. Do you remember that 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 wonderful Mrs. Merton thing where she says she says to Debbie McGee, (laughs) "What was the first thing that attracted you to the millionaire Paul Daniels?" (laughs) That was so good. (laughs) Um, Okay, right. So you are a fan of Uh, alcohol. (laughs) Yes. What is uh, so you, well, I was asked, I was asked earlier by by Irene. She uh, by Irene. She said, "What are you a fan of?" And I was like, "Well, I don't know." Alcohol, most and, things. And alcohol. I'm, I'm an not being a dick. Not being a dick. So is that not being a dick on alcohol? Uh, no, probably. Unfortunately, not. No. Right. Okay. No, cool. So no. uh, why why because uh, why why are you a fan of alcohol? You can pickle things in it. You can pickle stuff in it. You can ferment it and make vinegar. Is that what you're uh, a fan of? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. 
What form do you most enjoy <laughs> yeah. alcohol in? Uh, all it's good for. All God. I like all God's work. Pastis. I've been smashing loads of pastis recently. What's pastis? Pastis is that French drink that's got I made licorice and aniseed and you mix it with water. Do you know, it goes oh, cloudy. cloudy. Yeah, yeah. 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 I like, it, loads of people hate it. I hate I it. I love it. I don't like aniseed. I, I do. I think I quite like that. I love that stuff. I it's think deli- I'd be into it. It's delicious. Well, I drink quite a lot of cider. I've got um, really good cider at the sandwich shop at the moment. From nearby, when I got my first job in a restaurant, uh, yeah, this cider called Watkins. What, it's so what, good. Why is it good? What, what, um, what are your it, tastes in cider? It's, uh, f- I grew up in Somerset, so my tastes are flat, strong, and potentially hallucinogenic. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> we've got the, and the cider we have in the sandwich shop, he, yeah, this bloke called Dennis Watkin, he... Um, he matures all the cider in whiskey barrels from right. Scotland. Yeah. And so the cider is, it's not whiskey it's like smoky somehow. Right. Not too smoky, because I think that's a bit gross and liquid. But like it's it just, just got this little edge of smoke, and it's, it's super apple-y. My um, mate's mum and dad have a place in Hereford, and we stayed there once, and it was... And they, he makes like apple wine. Oh, wow. And they'd like, oh, I've never had this before. And we, like, me and my friend stayed there and we drank this thing. He'd go, oh, that's quite strong. Uh, and it was really nice. Uh, and the next day, we got up quite early and it was like, Joe, oh, it's really nice. So I was a bit worried about that because I was worried I might have had too much of that. They would all have hangovers. And we were like, yeah, we're fine this morning. And we realised that the hangover hadn't even started yet. You were just still back. It was still like it hadn't. Oh, so, so about midday, <laughs> yeah. we were just still like, I can't, I can't like that. And it's just <laughs> yeah. like, so nothing even. So then you get this crippling thing after you'd been up for ages. Like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. But still, it hadn't oh, even, hadn't even happened yet. I love that stuff. Like, that's how I like my cider. I, I often say to people in the Sony shop when they're like, oh, what, what drink would we recommend? Or if I'm like, have a cider. It's very different to the ones in the boozer and stuff. And I always say it's like, if you can manage to get four or five of them down you, it is like a small dose of magic mushrooms. <laughs> you know, colours get brighter, everything seems like it's going to be all right. We used to do a, a gig in that We used to the Green Man on Riding House Street. Yeah, he used to have a thing called Is that a pub? It's a cider pub. Now it's a vegan pub now, isn't it? So there's a fucking drink there that's a special seller. And if I drink drank uh, one pint of it before the gig, I could do it. Yeah. If I drank <laughs> one and a half pints, yeah. I, I couldn't put sentences together. What was it? Was it like eight? I don't know what it is. I think it was eight or nine percent. Yeah, and I don't know if they're like, they unpasteurised a lot of those things. And I think they've got that like natural yeast, weird that weird stuff is going on in that booze that isn't, you know. It was delicious though. It was really. Uh, I th- and it was, I think it's like refreshing because it feels a bit like you yeah. could go. You could go. Yeah, it was like well, alcohol pop. It was, it was apple juice. Flat. Yeah. yeah, it was. It yeah. was like apple ties, yeah. right? Yeah. But it, fucking, it was like vodka. I mean, that's how I make my own cider. Like, it's just vodka and apple vodka ties. And apple juice. <laughs> um, fucking, oh, it was delicious. Is this Paul Daniels? Uh, Is that Davy McGee? Paul Daniels Is that the witch? Again. That's fucking terrifying, Paul. Whoa, whoa. What's, you what's can that? buy a cave house, house in Spain. For 15 grand. That's often because they did, didn't they? That's in Spain. That's they, they did. They used to, used to, used to, yeah, yeah. For, yeah. to get away from the heat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get away from the heat. They yeah. used to carve it. Well, not just in Spain, though. All over. Hence, cavemen. Cavemen. That's why they... Uh, that's why. Captain Caveman. Wow. 
Paul, that is Paul Dan. We've finally <laughs> discovered Paul Daniel's superhero. <laughs> he is Captain Caveman. He never comes out. <laughs> so you've got a book out, right? We should talk about yeah. your book. Yeah. So that's well, I just wanted to know how you how do you implement not being a dick? Uh, you try to be nice. Fuck off. <laughs> oh, <I> mean, really? <laughs> no. Especially when you are naturally no. a bit of a dick. You have to try. You have to try, to try, try. to dick. Try hard. <laughs> try a little bit every day. And I, yeah, I don't know what else I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of nearly everything. I'm an enthusiast generally. What's your favourite film? God, I don't know. I, have uh, you seen a film? Some people, seen, seen, some people haven't seen I've films. I've seen so many films. Of course. Michael, Michael, Michael Owen film hates films, doesn't he? Does Seabiscuit. He's only seen four See? films or something in his Michael life. Michael Owen. And one of them, Seabiscuit. <laughs> That's got the Spider-Man guy in it, right? Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire. Yeah. Yeah. He's seen, like, what? the, the others are, like, film? massive films. And he's like, so I've only seen four. So, so he's like, it's something yeah. like The Sound of Music, Star Wars. Last Tango uh, in Paris and Seabiscuit. Yeah, it is like that. They're, like, his four films he's seen. It's like he stayed in an Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> sea Biscuit and the best of Top Gear. They're, they're, they're fine. They're five films I've seen. Fucking hell. Yeah, weird. Really weird. Um, oh, you don't, uh, yeah, you don't have to. What's your favourite TV show? Uh, oh, I don't know. But I think you but are I... a film person, right? Because you're an Army of Darkness person. Yes. No, yeah. no I love movies. No and... one's seen Army of Darkness. I... They, you you oh. say, what's your favourite film? And I say, Army of Darkness. And they go, what? And you go, Evil Dead 3. And they go, never even heard of Evil Dead. Do you oh. know what I mean? Didn't know they made three of them. Hail to the this king. suggests you are a film person. Yes, yes. No, I really am. I just feel like I'm on the spot and I can't well, if you're, think, if you're a film person, a let's see if you can... Oh, go on. You can handle the Ridley's Games Room movie buff. This will prove if you're a real movie buff. <laughs> oh, come on. <clears throat> let's see. Who plays the lead character in Mad Max Fury Road? Uh, Was it A, Tom Hardy, yeah. B, Benedict Cumberbatch, C, Eddie Redmayne, A, Tom D, Hardy. It is Tom Hardy. And from Laura. the what's <laughs> and from the what's poppin' movie quiz, uh, fantastic movie trivia. What's the name of the totalitarian nation in the Hunger Games? Oh, oh. God. Oh. Panem. Nah, I've no Panem. idea. Panem. Oh, Panem. That's what it's called. Mm. Oh, there you go. There you go. I'm quite pleased I didn't know that. <laughs> so, so you've got a book, right? I've got a book, and yeah. And your book is called Max Sandwich Book, yes. The Ultimate Guide to Creating Perfection Between Two Slices of Bread. Well, that's correct. It's published yeah. in May 2018. Yeah. Um, how's it been going? Good. Got in the Sunday Times bestseller list. Great. Which is pretty sweet. <laughs> so this is all the recipes that are in, the, or completely separate from the restaurant? Yeah, there's, there's ten... Sam, the, the book split in two. The first half, where there's like a big picture and a kind of guide. It says what's in the sandwiches, but it doesn't make list the recipes. Um, it, so it was just to kind of show people how, what do I put this whole hot, cold, sweet, sour, crunchy, soft thing. Like, how do I go about putting right. shit in a sandwich? Why are the Siamese I make really good? Um, and then there's loads of other ones. Like, there's a fish finger one with fish fingers, ketchup and salad cream mixed together. And crushed up scampi fries, oh. and like so. There's like yeah, there's things like lots of little things like that. <laughs> yeah, and then there's a more serious cookbook in the second half where there is like 
every recipe of everything we have ever made at the but if I wanted shop. to make the ham egg, egg and, and chips, chips all the recipes are in but there but how do I get where do I get those little chips from ah, you you make them like we do so okay. you, get, you get a mandolin you know mandolin a sort of I thought it was an instrument flat thing yeah it, well it is but it's also it's also a <laughs> Japanese Captain Corelli in, isn't it in, in, yeah Captain Corelli's <laughs> mandolin it would have been a different it would have been a gore movie if he'd it's, used um, it's a slicer but you've got to be it's really careful it's a slicer careful. yeah you do oh. they are evil and you can get a little attachment that a bit like a sort of razor blade with slots cut in it, and you slip that into the mandolin. So when you drag the potato across it, it just naturally comes into those little tiny... Oh, nice, and you just deep fry those. Yeah, you soak them in water first to get a starch out of them, which stops them sticking together in the fryer. And then, yeah, you just chuck, They're like tiny. chuck them in the you fryer. To, aside from the recipes, yeah. do you have to write a load of other shit around it, like autobiographical? And... There is, right, yeah, there's some writing in it, but it's mostly about Sarnies. And how did you find that process, all right? Extremely satisfying, yeah. There you go then. Yeah. Okay, we've got to play the game. Oh, yeah, the game. This game is called Better or Worse. Okay. And you have to say if the next person is better or worse than the person before, okay. based entirely on my own opinion. <laughs> okay, well, as in your opinion. Yeah, my opinion. Okay. Starting with <clears throat> Michelle Obama. Yeah. Is Michelle Williams better or worse than Michelle Obama? <laughs> hmm. uh, They're both medium cards. There you go. What, what's the answer? Better or worse? I feel I feel awkward answering that question. I'm sure they're both lovely. Well, better or worse? Better or worse? Worse. Worse. She is worse. <laughs> is Michelle Pfeiffer better or worse than Michelle Williams? Oh, better. Better. Yes. Is Sarah Michelle Geller? Oh, better or worse than Michelle Pfeiffer? A better. Worse. Worse. Oh. <laughs> is Sarah Jessica Parker better or worse than Sarah Michelle Geller? Oh, worse. Better. Better. Why is she Sarah better? Jessica Parker is better than Sarah Michelle. That's no, not true. Naturally, you're right. You are right. <laughs> is Jessica Alba better or worse than Sarah Jessica Parker? Worse. It worse. Worse. Yeah, worse. Mm. Is uh, Jess- uh, Jessica Chastain better or worse than Jessica Alba? Uh, Medium cards. Who's very... Jessica Chastain? Oh yeah, it's harder if you don't. Who know. is that? Isn't she in? She's in. What's she I in? keep wanting she's to say she it. was in Jurassic World, but she wasn't in Jurassic no, World. She's in. That's Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, yeah. Uh, she's in it. She's in it. Chapter two. She's in she's Mama. In the, worse. She's better. Oh, well, better. They're both very medium cast. Is Jessica Lang better or worse than Jessica Chastain? Oh, uh, better. Better. Is Josh Hartnett Ooh. better or worse than Jessica Lang? Worse. 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 Yeah. Is Josh Brolin better or worse than Josh Hartnett? Better. Better. Is Keanu Reeves better or worse than Josh Brolin? Better. Ooh. Occasionally better, yeah. Better. They, whoa, 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 whoa. Better, so excited. It's all coming up. Uh, you got seven points. Seven, that's seven decent. Point. That's nice. not bad, that's not bad, mate. That's a good score. So seven, that puts I've you... I've done well in the game. You that, have done. That puts you... You're not quite as good as Tom Crowley, Reese James, Marshall, Julius with nine, or Paul Gannon, Nick Tissemley, and, and Naomi yeah. Donald with eight, but you are as good as Kevin Allison, Joe DeCosta, Lloyd Griffith, Harriet Kemsley, Morgan McGlynn, The Last Skeptic, David Trent, Toby Williams with seven, and you're better than Bronte Barbie, Will Jackson, and Ginger Johnson. Thank you Thank very God. much for coming in today, Thank Max you. Haley. Thank you for having me. Uh, Halley, bruv, Halley. Max, <laughs> Max Haley. He's done that deliberately, hasn't he? Haley. He's cross. Um, so thank you very much for coming Go in. Go to his sandwich shop on Crouch Hill, Max's Sandwiches, and buy his book, which is Woo! called Max's Sandwich Book. Book. There we go. The that ultimate guide to creation perfection between the slices of It is bread. lovely. I've been. I can recommend it heartily. <laughs> thank you for yeah. Thank you for coming in. Uh, have a lovely week, everyone, and uh, we will talk to you hopefully next week. Uh, playing us out is Shock Fantasy by, by the Birmingham-based band Mark with a C. With a C. With a C.
You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to FUBARradio.com.